Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, what's up? And welcome to a brand new episode of Serious Issues, a comic book podcast, a podcast that we record every single week from King's Comics. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And every week Siobhan and I read all of the gosh darn comics and let you know which of those gosh darn comics you should be reading to. Today on the show, we are going to be uh, giving uh, recommendations for all ages comics. Mm -hmm. Siobhan is going to recap uh, an event she went to in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Plus, we're going to review all of last week's brand new number ones and regular issues from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse and more. But first, we got we got an event happening. Guys. This this Thursday night, it's the first ever live episode of uh, Serious Issues. If you've wondered what we look like in person, if you're like, how tiny is Siobhan really? It turns out, heaps tiny. You could see me in person. How pink is Levin's face? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Depends how many drinks he's had. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, any not more than one, extremely pink. <laughs> um, we're going to do a live episode at a, uh, a special event that we're running at Hudson Ballroom in Sydney. Unfortunately, this isn't a travelling live event that's going to come to your Sydney at, at any given moment. This is like in Sydney only. Maybe if we get way bigger in the next year, we can come to your city, mm. wherever that may be. Mm. But uh, for now, this is just in Sydney. Uh, we're running it with the King's Comics guys, and uh, basically they have uh, lent us boxes. Uh, so they're, they're lending us boxes and boxes of old comics, mm-hmm. um, old and cheap comics. Ultra cheap. If you're uh, looking for high-grade and full runs of comics. This is not the event for you. If you're looking for $2 back issues, this is the event for you. But there'll be like, you know, fun rarities and weird things you've never heard of. Uh, part, the whole idea behind this night was to kind of fill a nightclub, have good mu- with, with comics, fill, like, have good music and like, you know, everyone have a, a drink in their hand while they just, you know, finger through old old, old issues of comics and it's find dream, something, right? fun, something fun and weird that they haven't heard of before to take home for a, a cheap price. Absolutely. And uh, in the middle of the night, we're going to be doing a live episode in which we announce our uh, the the winners of the Serious Issues Awards for 2016. More on those in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, uh, I'll be DJing. Nacho Pop will be DJing. I think we're just gonna. The, the music brief is now 80s. Yeah, it's been decided this morning. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're just gonna be playing some uh, all kinds of 80s good stuff, mm. um, which will be fun. And uh, I think it's gonna be prizes. Everyone uh, who buys a ticket gets a, uh, a free comic. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I'm gonna work out what those prizes are, having just uh, surprised <laughs> Javon with them. I was like, what? The? <laughs> It'd be so good if you like, you know, like going to a comics party, like, oh, there's prizes. I imagine they're going to be comics. And instead it's like cooking wear or something. Like that. 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, free cooking wear for all, yeah. all, all everyone's coming through. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're uh, it's at Hudson Ballroom this Thursday night, which is 55 Liverpool Street in the city of Sydney. Um, tickets are just five bucks, and again, that includes a free comic. Mm-hmm. Which and is really cool. uh, 8 p.m. till 11 p.m. That's right. So uh, if you have uh, tickets to the uh, evening session of uh, of Rogue One that mm-hmm. night, maybe you can come immediately after. We're going to be there till 11 o'clock. Probably going to get on stage about nine ish. Mm-hmm. Do the episode and then uh, music into the evening while you uh, go through all those old comics, find yourself something cool. Should be heaps fun, guys. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm excited to um, see some listeners in person. That's yeah, that's gonna right. Be, that's going to be really cool. Um, if you go on Facebook and look up uh, Single Issues Night, mm-hmm. um, and that's the name of the event, um, you can find it on our Facebook page as well. Facebook.com/slash/SeriousIssuesPodcast uh, mm-hmm. uh, has all the info there, and tickets are five dollars through Moshticks. Um, now. I mentioned the Serious Issues Comic Book Awards. We're going to be running... We are running an awards. Uh, mm-hmm. Almost 500 people have voted, which is really cool. That's amazing. Um, it's uh, through SurveyMonkey. We've done like uh, 15 questions about your favorite books and creators, artists, writers. Characters. Characters of the of uh, 2016. We went through all the categories a couple ep- episodes ago. Um, it's a really fun list. And, uh, you know, we want to know wh- what... What, which of our favorite comics are your favorites? Yeah, absolutely. That, that was the prerequisite. They had to be our favorite comics first and foremost. Um, we did forget some of our favorite yeah, comics. Yeah, we totally feel that was inevitable. <laughs> There's <laughs> but, too many um, good comics. If you want to vote, um, the easiest thing to do is to go to our Facebook page, which again is uh, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast, and the uh, voting form is pinned there. It's also our pinned tweet on our Twitter account, which is um, at Serious underscore underscore issues, or you can enter surveymonkey.com slash r slash XSPCQJG. If you want to do things as difficultly as possible. If you like things to be as inconvenient. (laughs) Surveymonkey.com slash R slash XSPCQJG. SurveyMonkey would not make me let me do a more easy URL than that. So, unfortunately, that's all we've got. But the easiest way to go, just, just search Serious Issues on Facebook and you'll find all the info for our party and for our awards there. Uh, we've had some pretty high-profile votes. Uh, certain writers of, of, of comics that we've actually listed in the voting form, uh, their names are in uh, are people that have submitted their votes. And let me tell you, they voted for themselves. <laughs> Mark Russell. <laughs> Mark Russell, we're calling Looking you Looking at up. you, uh, but deserved. Deserved, yeah. I'm, Absolutely. Uh, the Flintstones. Uh, to be honest, I, I, you know, I, I really hope that that, that that book wins one of the many categories it's voted for. Yeah, uh, so you, brilliant. You've got, it, it, the, the Flintstones could be best DC comic of the year, best co- comedy comic of the year, mm-hmm. and best comic of the year. We Absolutely. liked it that much. So uh, we're actually reviewing issue six of that later in the show but uh again this thursday night live episode of serious issues at the single issues night um at the hudson ballroom from 8 p.m tickets through mosh ticks come We'd on love down. to see you there it'd be great on with the show first things first wait um, hang on i wanted to talk about oh yep melbourne on, so, with the, on with the show first thing second first thing second um so over the weekend i was lucky enough to um get to travel down to melbourne um to all-star comics which is a totally brilliant um, comic book store in Melbourne um, where Kaz Jennings who you might know as Nerdburger Kaz, she has a really popular um, YouTube channel and is completely brilliant, started um, I think I'm right in saying the first women's group um, at a comic book store in Australia Yep, She has wonderful hair too. Yeah she has incredible hair, bright pink, wears a lot of glitter it's pretty impressive Um, She's like because f- we've both been working in comics for the exact same amount of time and I feel like she's like shadow me or I'm shadow her, you know, because <laughs> I'm so 
boring well, in comparison. Melbourne is lower than than Sydney, so yeah. she would be in your shadow just inevitably oh, yeah, because true. we are higher up in the so world. So she shadow me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, cats. But she ran. She ran. Um, the first ever Women in Comics Festival. So it was a two-day event held at All Star Comics, um, and it just they had a huge number of women um, tabling and selling their comics, and some amazing comics creators. Hope Larson was there, which was huge. I got my Goldie Vance signed and almost cried at her and was like, "Thank you so much for Goldie Vance. I love it so much." <laughs> and um, I got introduced to some incredible Australian female comic creators who I hadn't heard of before. A personal favorite who I just discovered um, is Georgina Chatterton, who goes by George Rex. Um, in her comics, she is an incredible Adelaide-based comic um, comic creator. She has a couple of little um, books that you can check out, but she's in the process of writing a 300-page graphic novel called Oh Brother, which is um, some stories about growing up with her brother who has severe autism. Um, so that's a book that is incredibly close to my heart, having grown up with a brother with intellectual disabilities as well. She is incredibly um, funny, insightful, kind um she also wrote a comic about growing up being a dorky harry potter obsessed teen which i also identify with extremely strongly um so really really do check out her comics she does autobio stuff and she's um completely brilliant and i just wanted to say a huge congratulations to kaz and the whole women in comics team from melbourne because they pulled off something really amazing and i'm really excited to um for next year's event hopefully it's just going to keep getting bigger and better so it was huge. It was a it was a great weekend. Yeah, definitely. And if you you know you start the first guest at your first one is Hope Larson. Yeah, that's a huge huge first guest, and uh, I'm really excited to see who they bring out next time. Absolutely. I should definitely try and make the pilgrimage down. Totally. And they did it all like they um they raised the money for it in their women's group. They did a raffle every single week, and that's how they got the money together for that's it, insane. which is that's so unbelievable. Clever. So it's like you know, it was this incredible, like, for women, by women, incredibly inclusive, incredibly heartwarming event um, to get to come to. So I was, um, yeah, huge, huge weekend for Australian um, women in comics. Amazing. Um, you know what? On the note of uh, the O Brother comic that yes. you that you brought up, which is by, what's her name again? She goes by George Rex. Has she got a website? Um, yeah, you can look her up, uh, georgerexcomics.com, or you can check her on um, Instagram, Girl Rex Store, or on Facebook, George Rex Comics. So her her comic O Brother is uh, about uh, about growing up with uh, O Brother who has severe autism, mm-hmm. and uh, we got an an email this week, a message on our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com dot slash series podcast. I know I say it like ten times in an episode, but I just want more people to hit it up. Um, <laughs> we got a uh, a message from Brendan from somewhere called Nipissing in Whitfield. I don't know where either of those things are. I'm going to assume the UK. I should have looked this up. But uh, Brendan writes to us. He says, Hey there. First off, I love the podcast. I came across you by the guest appearance from Nick Mason and have since listened to every episode. As much as I love their podcast, which is the Weekly Planet, Nick Mason uh, very graciously was our guest uh, when I was stuck in Melbourne. Um, with no access uh, access to Siobhan Coombs. <laughs> um, as much as I love their podcast, they rarely get into comics as much as I would like because they're a bunch of dickheads. I mean, you can't argue with that. 
<laughs> I don't think they were. I think they they've almost copyrighted the uh, the term "bunch of dickheads." Oh, really? So I think they would actually be very proud to be called that. Uh, <clears throat> because you're clearly much more knowledgeable in comics, nothing else. Uh, I figured I'd ask you a question. I'm trying to do my Christmas shopping for my younger sister, who is an intellectual disability. She also shows off shows a lot of interest. She always shows a lot of interest in the superhero books I bring home. But because she's a big wimp when it comes to any kind of confrontation, I know they're not for her. So I guess I'm looking for some recommendations for all ages comics, all ages in terms of reading ability and lack of violence. Your praise of Wade's Archie run has me considering that, but I'm completely unfamiliar with Archie books. We're also super Canadian, so naturally she's a big hockey fan. If by some chance there's a comic that fits the all ages description and is also about hockey, that would be incredible. Thanks so much, Brendan. Um, so, yeah... Um, he then goes on to kind of mention that she she's 18 and reads at a 10 to 12-year-old reading level, mm-hmm. um, which happens to be my preferred uh, <laughs> like kind of comic. I love all-ages comics, um, and I feel like we, uh, I know, we, we try and support them as much as we can on the show. I, I, I love reading comics that are aimed at teens and younger, um, and, and I have a great collection of them because you know I can't wait to get my... My kids into comics. Mm, absolutely. So, uh, Brendan. And sometimes, like, a comic that everyone can enjoy sometimes is, like, the best comic of all. You know? Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, uh, Siobhan has, has a, uh, a, a, you know, tried to get, you've tried to get your younger brother into comics before, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's like, I mean, he kind of, I think it's more of a rejection of anything that I like as opposed <laughs> to rejection of the medium. Um, but I love comics because it is something that the the combination of storytelling through pictures and words makes it a medium that is uniquely suited to people who maybe have um, who struggle with reading or um, are intimidated by books mm-hmm. that um, seem really big. I, my little brother loves Simpsons comics and Futurama comics, so that's always something that I've supported and um, encouraged him in. And that's often like the best way to kind of bridge. To into comics is Absolutely. you give them a comic based off of a television show or mm-hmm. a movie they love something they're already familiar with and the, you know and that's like yeah the, the DC and and um and Marvel all ages comics you know you, there's a Guardians one there's a, a kind of Avengers one a Spider Man one a, sometimes there used to be a great a really great all ages Green Lanterns one that I yeah. wish was still around but uh, those are all quite good and, and even the Batman Adventures one Batman and Superman Adventures Batman and Superman Adventures are both really excellent great. all ages comics and you know they are there's no no nothing like the level of violence that you see in in the kind of more Absolutely. adult aimed teenager aimed um, DC and yeah, Marvel it might comics. be a bit of a biff, but yeah, um, and, and, and I'll actually say the word biff, yeah, <laughs> so it'll be fine. Uh, so, Siobhan, have you got some great recommendations here? Absolutely. Um, so, my first one that I <laughs> I just want to recommend to everyone because I don't feel like enough people are reading it is um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, um, the creative team of which I have just immediately forgotten. But that is a completely Amy Reader. brilliant Amy Reader, Brendan Montclair, I think. Yep, um, we did it. They are a really, really brilliant, um, yeah, it's just brilliant, all ages um, aimed superhero comic with a really fun hero at the center of it. Um, Great to have a little um, more diverse cast, little female superhero, and um, it's just heaps of fun. You know, there's a bit of um, giant red dino based violence, but it's pretty, it's played for laughs more than anything else. Definitely. Um, In in fact, one of the comics that I wanted to recommend um, that uh, is, is, is an ongoing one that I, I sing praises of every time it comes out is uh, Space Battle Lunchtime, mm-hmm. um, which is a show about a um, like a reality food, a reality television show set in space, like an Iron Chef equivalent, set in space with all manner of aliens, and it does kind of hint 
towards violence, but it's more action than it yeah. is violence. No one actually gets pounded or you know anything anything worse than like a fry pan to the head. Absolutely. You know, you gotta I mean, have a, you got you got to have a fry pan <laughs> to the head. <laughs> um, so some other recommendations: Goldie Vance is just like I mean, it's the best comic ever. Um, it's so, and it's so great because it's you know it, it's a straight up detective comic, yeah. and you can follow the clues along. And you, exactly. you, can, you, can, you, can, you can choose suspects with Goldie Vance. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really great comic. Absolutely. And if so, if she you know, likes things like Harriet the Spy or anything like that, that's a great, that's a great pick. Um, I'm also going to throw out a recommendation for Tintin because I think sometimes the classics are classics for a reason. And Tintin is one of my all-time favorite comic book series. And I think that it just, you know, with some... Um, Racial, <laughs> yeah. Avoid, issues avoid like don't get Tintin in the Congo no. or Tintin in the Americas, but, but um, the rest of them are classics. <laughs> the Blue Lotus also a little bit dodgy sometimes, but yep. you know what? It's it's aged pretty well. I think. also a lot of fry pans to the head. A lot of fry pans to the head. A lot of being chloroformed. <laughs> um, uh, also Archie, obviously the classic strips as well as the new stuff. The classic stuff is just so funny. Yeah, but even if you haven't read any Archie together, I feel like the Mark Wade and uh, Fiona Staples, just that first trade, mm. is a really great introduction to that universe. And if you know, especially if if you guys watch, you know, teenage drama on television, exactly. it's a really really great take on that kind of style of, of story. Absolutely. And it's something that, because um, I think a thing that often happens with um, people with intellectual disabilities is because maybe their reading level isn't as high. People assume that um, intellectually and mentally they are that age as well when they're not. They're like an adult. So um, that's a great one if she's more interested in like kind of teen drama and stuff like that. Um, same goes for um, the books of Raina Telgemeier. She is like the highest selling comic book writer and artist of like the last 10 years. All of her comics are New York Times bestsellers. She is completely brilliant. Definitely check out Ghosts, Smile and Sisters. Um, I'm also another one that um, as a Canadian, you should probably check out um, the books of Faith Erin Hicks. She's one of my favorite favorite um comic book writers at the moment um friends with boys is kind of a semi-autobiographical one about growing up as um homeschooled and then going to school for the first time that's a really good one also nameless city is her kind of more avatar the last airbender inspired um action adventure series and that's also brilliant um, the Art, Art Balthazar and Franco series, Tiny Titans. Yep. Um, really, really easy to read, really bright and fun and silly, but also pulling on, you know, the decades and decades of DC history. So, yeah, so you know, if she has any interest in the sort of superhero characters, that's a really, really fun one. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, on the hockey note, I know you asked for hockey comics. Yeah. The, only, the best I could come up with for an all-ages hockey comic is... Uh, uh, there are a lot of peanut strips in which mm-hmm. Snoopy and Woodstock play hockey together. Yep. And I'm sure the kids play hockey at some point. Totally. Mostly they play baseball, but I'm sure there's some hockey strips in there. So, I mean, that's a stretch. But uh, as a, uh, a Canadian hockey fan, um, just for yourself, maybe not for your sister, Essex County oh, by yeah. Jeff Lemire. It's my favorite Lemire book, and uh, it's a kind of must-read for, 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 I guess, Canadians who love hockey. Um, it's, it's, it's weirdly brilliant, morose kind of uh, history book it's awesome it's yeah. really really personal yeah, yeah. and incredible really brilliant. and uh, lots of hockey in that um and my last two or three recommendations bone by jeff smith a classic, classic. i don't need to recommend that anymore but check don't, it out don't get the omnibus it's don't, really yeah. really big and the uh paper is like like bible thin yeah you could kill someone with it or or, or make a roll a cigarette with it <laughs> <laughs> um lumberjanes as what well what did i just admit to oh god <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, cigarette. Um, yeah, Lumber Jeans as well is really, really brilliant. And um, uh, classic Disney comics, I think that sometimes you can't quite go past them. The work of um, Karl Barks and Don Rosa, no, especially definitely. the old Uncle Scrooge comics, and some of those ones are totally, totally brilliant. Especially the recent Fanagraphics re-releases of the brilliant, brilliant hardcovers. Yeah, beautiful things to have on your yep. shelf. Cool. Well, um, Brendan, hope I, that hope, helped. I hope that helps. Um, if anything, we gave you too many things. So we, <laughs> we went too far. But uh, feel free to write to us again with more specific uh, things. And if, you, and if you want advice from us, especially with Christmas around the corner, we're going to include a little bit of a Christmas wish list uh, mm-hmm. in the next few episodes before Christmas. Maybe in a, even in a live episode, we'll do mm. like our, you know, things you should get your, your pals for Christmas. Yeah, just send us an email to uh, seriousissues at kingscomics.com or uh, find us online at facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast. Thanks so much to Brendan for writing in and Merry Christmas when it actually comes along. Yeah. Uh, so let's get on with the actual show right now. We're going to be doing reviewing all the comics that came out last week. Uh, and we're going to start off first things first where we review all of last week's single issues. I want to kick it off with a little book called Motor Crush. Oh, yeah. Motor Crush is uh, the new comic by Brendan Fletcher. Uh, Cameron Stewart and Babs Tarr, who they are... They refer to themselves as the... Um, former. Former Batgirl team in the back. Yeah, there's the a really, really cute Burnside little strip. Team. Batgirl of Burnside, uh, which was a beloved uh, run out of the New 52, mm-hmm. which kind of completely reinvented uh, Batgirl into the kind of very fun and hipper, more fashionable version of mm. Batgirl that we see on the stands today. Um, but uh, this, is a, this is a crew that are very, very good at, uh, you know drawing fashion and 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 incorporating things like social media into their stories in a really natural un, un, unforced way absolutely and so motor crush is a very different story it's set in the future it's a uh, a, a story about a uh i guess she's early 20s mm-hmm. um girl who is uh riding both uh, riding a motorcycle both professionally and in the underworld mm. and she rides in the underworld for a a drug for her motorbike called Crush. Mm. So you give the motorbike this drug, and the, and, the, and your motorbike starts having withdrawals and like the basically the problems you associate with drug addiction, except it's a motorbike. Yeah. So there's almost like this weird sentience, kind of, mm. uh, in, with motorbikes. So it's a yeah, it's, it's a it's a uh, it's a it's about you know a book about living up to the expectations of your parents. It's about racing. It's about the underworld, and it's kind of about drug addiction in a weird way too. Absolutely, and. Um, it is unbelievable that this is only the second monthly comic that I think Babs Tar has ever done because I don't know anyone who, um, well, I mean, there's lots of people who do, but she does a brilliant job at the action sequences and Absolutely. making the race scenes really compelling, um, which I think is really hard to do in a comic. Definitely. You know, as soon as you get speed lines and multiple people racing, it's really easy to get lost and she does a really great job of balancing all the different characters so you always know who to look at. Um, and this is like this is just such a compelling first issue. They do the re- they do a really good job of not like spoon feeding you all the information. We still don't really know that much about this world, um, and it's I I really want to know more. Mm. So can you tell me? So Brandon Fletcher is a writer. Mm-hmm. Cameron Stewart also a writer, and does he do the colors on this too? Cameron Stewart is an artist, and I think that maybe he. Um, I think that maybe he works on the breakdowns with Babs, and then they, and then she finishes. Is that the same Cameron Stewart from uh, uh, Lake of Fire? Yeah. No, that's Nathan oh, Fairbairn. That's Nathan My bad. Fairbairn. Sorry, no. Cameron Stewart. Um, let me just Google Cameron Stewart because you would know you would know him. Yeah, he's so really brilliant. And the backup material. There's a um, a, a new a new story called um, Isola, which is written by Brendan Fletcher with art by Carl Kershaw. 
um, and then uh, which is going to be like a kind of two pager that's going to be collected over the next five issues of Motor Crush, and um, then the back the, the the final page is a is a comic drawn by um, Cameron Stewart, which is a kind of like you know breaking the fourth wall, the creators and the editor talking to the audience, pretty funny and cute. Um, so he also. Uh, Cameron Stewart has worked on Catwoman with Ed Brubaker and Ed mm-hmm. Brubaker's brilliant run. He's done work with Grant Morrison, including Batman and Robin's Sea Guy and um, the Seven Soldiers of Victory Manhattan Garden. Yeah, and he did, he, he did one of my favorite issues of Multiversity. That's right. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. And he's, Cameron Stewart's a he also, um Oh, man, he has a brilliant webcomic series called Sin Titulo, which is a neo-noir mystery thriller. And cool. It's um, really good. You can check that out online. Awesome. Motor Crush uh, on Image... I've, this is like a, a bit of controversy surrounding it. Apparently, yeah. retailers in the states have refused to put it on the shelves because it has a female protagonist. Uh, it, not just a female protagonist; she is also a black female protagonist. And I mean, I think that this is like, you know, this was a classic bleeding cool story that I think got massively overhyped. I don't deny that there are probably still stores in the states that are that backwards and that. Um, unthinking but i think you would just have to be an absolute moron to think that this wasn't going to sell after how hugely successful Batgirl of burnside is and this is just still the dudes who think that only white dudes read comics when that is patently untrue and Mm. being disproved constantly um so i just i think that that's nonsense so yeah pick up this first issue it's a a really great action-packed first issue and it ends on a pretty insane cliffhanger yeah totally where uh where something happens to our main character that happened to another character at midway through this book and that ended up the the first character that happened to is now in pieces all over the road so who knows is going to happen to our main character hopefully not the same thing because that would be a weird way to start a series totally (laughs) (laughs) um cool motor crush definitely pick it up i'm we're going to be covering this as it continues Mm -hmm. this is a no-brainer for us yeah for sure Another no-brainer. And mm. God damn it, did I need this. Yeah. Uh, so, we've been massive fans. We just spoke about it earlier. Massive fans of the Archie relaunch by Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. When it happened, we could mm-hmm. not believe how good those comics were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that only continued with Jughead, mm-hmm. uh, the Chips at Arsky that now Ryan North is working on. Of course, uh, the, the Archie run is on its you know fourth or fifth different artist uh, as, it, as it continues as an, as an ongoing. But we've had a few other comics in the Archieverse, and I feel like I haven't really loved any of them since Archie and Jughead. We've had the Betty and Veronica one by Adam Hughes, which I just think is a... It's just an Adam Hughes book. <laughs> ...really confusing book that I'm not, don't, not sure who it is. We haven't been massive fans of the Josie and the Pussycats run. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're massive, uh, massive fans of the, the horror comics, like the Afterlife oh, of yeah. Archie and Sabrina. Uh is that have we covered them all? I think that's all. Of them. Yeah, I think that's about it. There's going to be a Kevin Keller comic coming soon, I believe. Um, but I think that's about it. But something that I didn't even know was going to happen until last week when I saw it on the stands was mm. a uh, a Reggie comic. Reggie, of course, being the closest thing the Archie universe Archie, Archie universe has to a dedicated antagonist, mm-hmm. um, and that is Reggie. Yeah, uh, Archie's rival, his as rival. he's known. Um, and so this is a comic written by uh, Tom DeFalco with art by Sandy Jarrell. Um, all about Archie, and it's narrated by his dog. All about which, Reggie. What, what did I say? Archie. Fuck it. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is about Archie. <laughs> but All Archie comics are about Archie, yeah. But uh, it's about Reggie. Um, and I've never read a comic from his point of view. No. Uh, or kind of, you know, it's a comic that, that kind of paints him in a good light. Uh, and it kind of gives justifies all of his jerky actions. Um, you know, he, he can't let anybody get the better of him. Yeah. And that's the, and core importance to his character. But I'm not the, the massive Archie fan on this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certainly becoming one. Uh, and I definitely am if you're talking about my son, whose name is Archie. <laughs> but um, 
That's just in case he chooses to listen to this 10 years down the track. It's like, hey, um, uh, Siobhan, we all know it's canon. She's got a Jughead tattoo on her butt. It's not on my butt. Christ, that'd be heavy. Um, but you're the massive Archie fan. How did this Reggie book uh, go with you? I really enjoyed it. This was heaps fun. I think Reggie is such a like... Because he's one of those characters that you just you just love to hate because he's just a jerk for no for no real reason. And while this does sort of... Um, you still you understand where he's coming from and I think that some of the things that they've kind of built up in um, the Archie universe like about Reggie's parents and all that kind of stuff is um, good fun and leads, you know, it, it paints Reggie in a more sympathetic light and having the story narrated by his dog um, also paints him in a really positive light. But he's still, he's still a jerk, you know? Like, he doesn't deal with his issues in a way that um, is appropriate. And even when Archie comes to try and you know, apologize and be his friend. He's still, his pride gets in the way and his ego and his love of Midge. Um, but I think, I think this was heaps fun. I think this is such a fun addition to the current um, range of Archie comics and the art by Sandy Gerald. I don't know who, I've never seen him or her before, mm. um, but it's really, really good, really fun. Yeah. Top marks. Yeah, really, really enjoyed good. it. Great and pranks. such a fun, such a, yeah, yeah, great pranks. Um, I need to, read this to get back at Wayne I'm going to write down some of these ideas um, <laughs> Wayne uh, is a King's Comic staff member who constantly uh, pulls pranks on Siobhan yeah last week what did he do did he put something on your computer he um, packaged my computer oh wow in a box oh great <laughs> and delivered it to my desk but then he cleaned my desk as the, the sickest prank of them all which was the best um also in the back, of course, they always put a really fun classic Archie strip in the back. This week, um, it was one by George Fries, and it's a really it's a heaps weird one because it's um, really really early Archie comics, which are really weird. Everyone looks a little bit sort of funny and disproportionate, and Pop doesn't look like Pop for some reason. <laughs> and, um, but it's heaps fun, really good. I love yeah. God, I love classic slapstick. Uh, I was just so so stoked just to, to be able to read this because. Uh I was like, oh no, were they like a flash in the pan? Like, you know, the only reason those that Archie and the Jughead book were good because of the creators. Mm. Are the rest of these new Archie books not going to be very good? But this was great. Totally. And there were so many fun um, variant covers. Not yeah. that I'm much of a variant person, but there was definitely something for everyone my, here. My variant cover of choice, the Sandy Jarrell one was awesome with mm. um, all the different uh, members of... Uh, What's the school called? Sunnydale? No. That's, Riverdale. Fuck, that's a Buffy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <that's fine. laughs> All the different uh, members of the school kind of um, outside or covered in different paints. Definitely the victims of a sick prank yeah. by Reggie. Um, but my favorite cover was um, uh, the Robert Hack one, which kind of has a close-up of Reggie's head with what, what the chemical breakdown of his brain is. And it's part hate for Archie, part pranks, part girls, part ABBA lyrics, <laughs> and various other ones. Really good. Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed that one. Um, so that's another one we'll be adding to the regular review list. Mm -hmm. uh, so too, I'm, I'm going to spoil it for this next one. We're going to yeah. talk about some new Marvel books now. And uh, two of the three were really good. Absolutely. The first of which was uh, the new number one of Nova which is written by um, Jeff Loveness and uh, as a writer, Ramon Perez as well. Uh, Ramon Perez is also the artist on this. And, Heaps uh, cool that they've credited him as a writer. I think that so often right, um, artists do not get the writer credit that they deserve. And I think that's happening more and more in Marvel books, which Absolutely. is really, really cool. And it seems like the Mark Wade and Chris Sabney yeah. partnership almost paved the way for this to happen more and more. Um, so this uh, Nova book carries on the, uh, the, the most recent addition to the Nova family, Sam, 
What's his last name? Alexander. Alexander. Sam Alexander, who was the young, the at one point was the only surviving Nova. He, he stole his, he found his dad's Nova helmet, mm-hmm. and has kind of been this young Nova blasting around the Marvel universe. He's but, a member uh, of the champions. My Nova, Siobhan, ah. is Richard Ryder, right? Uh, star of the fantastic uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, mm-hmm. uh, incredible run that kind of covers Guardians of the Galaxy, Nova, the various. Um, what, War of Kings was on the event. What were the, what were the big events? The uh, Annihilation, Annihilation, something. and the Annihilation War. But at the end of um, the Thanos Imperative, which was the last kind mm-hmm. of big hurrah of, of of their their big galactic series, um, what I call it, Marvel Cosmic series. Mm. Um, Richard Ryder and Star Lord were left stuck in the Cancerverse as they battled Thanos for one last time. And for a, the longest time, Richard Ryder was not part of uh, Marvel Comics, and no one really said why. And then I think in some dumb Bendis thing that I never read, they they found Richard Ryder. And here he is, the star of the book again. Mm. So they're co-stars. Sam Alexander and Richard Ryder are both in this book. And uh, they haven't... This book ends... They haven't actually quite met each other yet. No. And uh, Richard Ryder doesn't... He's appeared back at his mother's doorstep, but he doesn't really know why he's there or how he got there or why he's alive now. So that's a good mystery at the centre of it. Also, I'm fine if we never find out. Too. Totally. Mysteries are fine. Mysteries are the best. This also has a great um, great uh, back and forth between um, Sam Alexander as Nova and um, Ego, the living planet. Oh, I love living planet characters. Yeah. It's um, so good. And of course, we're going to get uh, is it Kurt Russell playing Ego, the living planet in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is pretty so exciting. Fun. That's so funny. And uh, it has been confirmed that he has a penis. Oh, well, sick. <laughs> great news. Um, yeah, this was such a fun issue. I really like the Sam Alexander Nova character. I think it really suits. I like that he is, um, you know, open about the fact that he's Nova with his mum and his little sister, um, because that kind of gets rid of that annoying thing. But he's still got all of the classic, like, oh, I have to get to school and... He shows up at school and he's forgotten that he's not wearing any clothes underneath his Nova suit so that when he takes his helmet off, he's standing in his underpants and has to borrow stinky gym clothes from his friends. So it's like it's got that classic kind of Peter Parker um, teen superhero element. Without the really annoying, I can't let Aunt May know that I'm Spider-Man for some yeah. stupid reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and man, Ramon Perez just keeps getting better and better this is such like fun kinetic um work and all of the space stuff is so fun all the stuff with ego the living planet was like so enjoyable to read and at one point um sam alexander kind of uh imagines himself uh like kind of battling all of these uh different massive uh marvel villains and it's drawing like a classic cartoon style with bende dots and everything he, he just smashes it. I've not I've not seen Ramon Perez draw, draw so much space stuff before mm. either. It was really great to see that. So yeah, Absolutely. this is a definite like follow for me. This is a totally. really 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 like you know absolute purchase. This great number one, and hopefully it blooms into a incredible series. Yep, absolutely, heaps fun. Uh, Marvel put out two more books. One of them was a new Star Wars book, the first Star Wars book based on a brand new character created within the comics, and mm-hmm. that character is Dr. Afra, which was created by um, Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca in their uh, just recently finished 25-issue run of Darth Vader. Mm. And uh, she, Dr. Afra, kind of played someone who was uh, teaming up with Darth Vader, and in the end, kind of, uh, without spoiling too much, they, they uh, not so much team up by the end. Yes. There is a lot of betrayal. But... Uh, 
It's She's almost, a rogue archaeologist. That's right. Which is a sick title. Definitely. And so this, basically, we, we learn a little bit of backstory about this character, you know, how she's quite, she's not afraid of a little bit of uh, cold-blooded murder mm-hmm. to, to, to get her way. Um, she's not truly evil, but she certainly isn't an angel either. Yes. Um, and uh, we do, we see her um, reteamed with, uh, what is it, CT and, they're basically the evil version of C-3PO and... Um, and uh, R2-D2. It's Which like, is so fun. It's they're so, so fun. fun. <laughs> I know a lot of Star Wars diehards uh, hate how whimsical uh, the, these these two uh, robots are, but I love it. It's really, really fun. boring you if you hate whimsy. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I really, really enjoyed this art. The, the, most, the thing I enjoy the most about it is the art by Kev Walker. He's so good, guys. He's always been good, and this is Keeps just... getting better. I just like, you know, I, I, I like them now taking more risks with, you know, doing more cartoony things in the um, Star Wars universe. Obviously, there's way less, you know, Star Wars legacy characters and, you know, beloved characters that we can't disassociate with the actors. Mm-hmm. So, she's able... To, Kev's just able to draw whatever the heck he wants, and it's way more cartoony and fun. And it's sort of like... It's like... It's just like the anti... Han Solo adventure because she's like an adventurer and a rogue with a Wookiee pilot who's like unbelievably violent and scary and then she has her two droids as well so it's just like it's just heaps fun yeah. just a really fun book fun read and really we, enjoyed and it and then there's a story uh, drawn by Salvador La Rocca at the end written by Karen Gillan um, that kind of gives a little backstory of her history and how she became a doctor mm. because this is uh, at the core of, this, of the main story in this we find out that she has lost her doctorate she's no longer recognised by the I don't know, medical society. Is yeah. That, that's what it <laughs> so is. she can't sell her stolen wares. That's right. Uh, really fun comic and definitely one that we're going to continue reading. I think, Absolutely. I think what, I, what I needed from the Star Wars books was something of like, you can do anything with this character. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, with, in a Han Solo, there's, you, that you can't ever do anything permanent to, to Han Solo in a Han Solo comic, except yeah. before the movies we've seen a hundred times. So. Exactly. Yeah, Doctor Afro number one is another really great book. It's been we're like four for four right now. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about something we hated. <laughs> <laughs> slapstick number one. Hate is a strong word, but it's one I choose to use when I review slapstick number one. <laughs> now you know what I'll I'll I'll, I'll re, re rename it that word. I'm going to say this one is very very not for me. Yes, <laughs> uh, this is a, a book by a creative team that I was actually kind of. Like, oh, cool, maybe I will like this. Um, Fred Van Lente is uh, one of the writers on this, and we've really enjoyed Weird Detective and mm-hmm. the uh, Comics History uh, comic that he put out a, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written this with uh, Riley Brown, and uh, the storyboards are by Riley Brown too, with art by Diego um, Oletu Twiggy. Nailed it. Nailed it, um, perfect. But uh, I think this was originally a digital comic, and you can kind oh, of okay. see, because all the pages are divided in half. Yes. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Um, so, I don't, I'm not familiar with Slapstick, except he was in that stupid Deadpool Mercs for Money book that we had to read. Yeah, I have no knowledge of this character, but he's like a character who... Was like pulled out of a cartoon dimension, so he looks like yeah. a cartoon, but he's in the regular Marvel Universe. Yeah, it's sort of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and those kind of rules apply to him. You know, like he's bouncy and can't really be destroyed and all that sort of stuff. But like, he, he pretty much acts like Deadpool. He's, you know, he's a, he's he's a, a merc. merc and he has a mouth. Yes. And he <laughs> which is... Which are two um, things I know about Deadpool. Um, he's extremely uh, sassy in a cartoony sort of way. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't stand this book. I think that um, the main takeaway I got from this is that I would love to see Fred Van Lente write a Spider-Man book because the second that Spider-Man shows up, it immediately becomes a heap more fun and he writes um, writes a really solid Spidey. So uh, that was that was fun to see. But I think like 
this is another sort of, I mean, I don't, who on the Marvel editorial team was like, man, Merck's, Merck's for Money sold so well, because I'm pretty sure it didn't, that we need to give all of these characters their own series. So we've got Slapstick, Solo, solo Full Killer, was that full one of them too? Yep. And then, are, are there more coming? I mean, you got to assume, right? <laughs> is there <laughs> like, never isn't end. there like a like a Spanish Deadpool in that crew? I as have well, no maybe? idea. I don't if you get read one it. Too? Spanish Deadpool is what it's going to be called. Deadpool. Massacre. Massacre. That's, That's what his name is. All right, cool. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, this book is uh, not for me. So I, I, I will not give it a rating. Not that uh, I've given any yeah. book a rating so far, but my opinion on this doesn't really matter because it definitely wasn't for me. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it slightly more than you, but still probably not for me. Siobhan loves poo jokes. I love it. <laughs> um, did you read Uber Invasion nope. number one? Yeah. I don't like the Uber comics. I've never read one before. They're written by Kieran Gillen, but he writes them for Avatar. Yes. Avatar, known for their big, gross stories where everybody gets raped and murdered in horrific ways Absolutely. every single page. If you and- liked Crossed, then you would probably like Uber because it's some pretty hardcore... Um, Nazi comics, not like pro-Nazi. No, but so this um, is about like yeah, like the, the dawn of the superhero age is at the end of World War Two. Um, the the Nazis win World War Two using metahumans that okay. they call Ubers. Um, and uh, I've not read any Uber, Uber comics. That's what I kind of have kind of gathered from from reading it. I tried the first um, the first Uber comics, and they just like just fundamentally not for me in a big way. Don't like Nazis. Fair enough. I understand. <laughs> Don't like Nazis. Like poop jokes. You're very unpredictable, Sean. <laughs> um, this uh, Uber Invasion series is actually kind of cool. Um, kind of is is quite held back um, as we kind of learn the goings on of, of the world um, post the war. Um, it's all about. Um, it's all. It's set in the in in the White House. Um, and uh, we kind of we see President Truman talking with his aides about the, uh, the the Ubers that the Germans have, and um, what what measures they can take to combat these superheroes that the, that Germany are using to win the war. Um, and then it's too late; Ugh. they've already invaded America. So this is all. This is about the Uber invasion of America. Oh, right. And uh, it ends with uh, the Ubers uh, transforming. Like basically, like like destroying the White House and then turning it into a massive swastika made of debris. Oh my god! So, uh, so that's the kind of if, extreme. If, if that no- was like if that was the one thing you wanted in Independence Day was for the <laughs> the aliens to then turn the the busted up White House into into a swastika. This is coming for you. <laughs> this is coming for you. <laughs> yeah, um, look, I'm, I'm glad I read this just for a little peek into the world. It's obviously well written. Kieran Gillen's a great writer. Um, we're going to be reviewing a third comic few years later in the uh, in Goodness the episode. Gracious. He's a busy boy. Um, but this is you know, like by far the most. Like there, there is a, a world and world and world. There's a universe of difference between Uber and the Wicked and the Divine. Yeah. Um, or or Doctor Afra too. So uh, yeah, I don't know if you're a diehard Kieran Gillen fan or is a diehard Nazi fan. <laughs> this comic's for you. Over to DC and Dynamite now. Um, DC are doing I a didn't lot. Read any of the rest of yeah. these? Oh, really? Way. Sorry. Wow, you haven't got read any more number ones. No. I really suffered through for my art this week. Yeah, um, I didn't. Ha ha ha. So get ready for a lot of me talking and Siobhan being glad that she didn't read the things that I read. Um, DC have announced so many crazy crossovers. Yeah. Um, there is a like a Green Lantern crossover with someone that like I'll find later on. There was a Green Lantern Star Trek one. Yeah. Yeah. There's is another one out? too though. Um, oh. That I'll talk about later. I, I saw it advertised in, I think, a boom book. Uh, there's also a uh, Justice League Power Rangers book coming out. We've been reviewing <laughs> the, the Batman and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book. There's a uh, He-Man and Thundercats crossover. 
They're doing a lot of crossovers, and this one is Wonder Woman 77 meets the Bionic Woman. I know nothing about the Bionic Woman, so Uh, I was like, I feel like this isn't going to be me. Me neither. Is she... I gather she's related to the the six million dollar man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is it is it is it his wife? No, just, just, just right. female just version. Female version. God, I love female versions of characters. I know. Characters. You know how this character could be better if she had tits. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this book, yeah, having not really been a big fan of the One Woman seventy seven comics so far, and also not really knowing anything about the Biomint Woman, uh, I was hoping this book maybe would convince me that I wanted to read either of those things, but. Uh, you know, again, not not for me. I, 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 another comic for people that are already fans of something and not doing much to get new fans. Yeah, on board. yeah. Like I mean, yeah, absolutely. This is for people who love nineteen seventies TV <laughs> and like that really broad. Like, oh, it's a feminist book because um, Wonder the, Woman's in it. Well, when Wonder Woman shows up to the office and and the men are like, oh, you know, you women don't want to get your hands dirty. I <laughs> 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 just like I like it's not. That's not clever or biting anymore. Like, yeah. I get that it's set in the 70s. I get it. But, like, whatever. Totally. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, guess what else I read? A book called Norman by Stan Salas. Do you ever heard about this? No. It's like he does, like, cutesy... Like, Norman is an eight-year-old serial killer. Classic. So, it's a really, really well cartoon. Why, why is that a genre that exists so strongly in comics? I fucking hated <laughs> like, this. I bet this, I bet this has such a fan base. Totally. You it's saw like, Lenore? Was that yeah, something Yeah, Lenore. Used to like, I mean, I know I'm... Might might get a bit of hate for this, but like stuff like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, I've never found that much appeal in. Mm. I know people are huge fans of his, um, but it's just something that I'm like, I don't get this. Yeah, uh, so this is like like what if Peanuts and Happy Tree Friends were the same thing? Oh man, Happy Tree Friends! Um, That takes me back to Year Seven. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure this comic will too. It's not clever at all. Um, It's weirdly gross towards. his this this character's teacher who always have like who always has like massive cleavage we see up her skirt constantly it's just sounds awesome yeah and like uh you know she walks into a pole and thinks that a man is harassing her and she's like what's with you men blah 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 and meanwhile this kid norman like you know kills a bunch of students at his school it's not i don't know whatever yeah that sounds exhausting again if you're already a fan of this this is probably the best day of your life reading it <laughs> it's apparently it's 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 the first time that he's done monthly of this comic norman oh, okay. which has two <laughs> volumes out already um i thought this was trash hot mm, trash hot trash um finally jim henson's the storyteller oh, i can't believe i missed this dang um, i'm an idiot i you, love you the storyteller comics right I've not read any of these. This is the storyteller giants, and so these are, are these always one and done. Basically, yeah, it, basically, Usually, yeah. it's an old man telling a story to his dog um, about a, a, a giant who was born in a peach seed, and the 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 boy goes on a quest with a bunch of animals and uh, reclaims a village from from a bunch of ogres. Um, it's really really sweet. I don't know if I found it particularly interesting, but uh, it was very well drawn, and I think written by um, uh, Chris Nolan. Not no Connor Nolan because Nolan <laughs> is very different. Connor Nolan, um, yeah. Look, it, it looks great, um, and it was very cute, simple, almost like a fable kind of story. Yeah, but uh, you got to be in the mood for one of these kind of things because you know everything's going to work out. But if the you're end. a big like if you're a big Jim Henson fan, I think these comics are really really nice. There's a whole bunch of collections of them, um, like the the witches. I think was one um, recent series. They're just they're just really good fun. And they're all based on stories that Henson wrote at some point in his life, or they kind of based within this. I don't know. I think it's created. based more on the TV the, series the of the same name. Yeah, right. I never that? saw I never saw that one. No. Um. So it was. 
man, so good. It was John Hurt sitting by the fire each episode telling a story to his dog. And it was very, you know, classic Henson, lots of puppets and stuff. Yeah, um, right. Heaps good fun. Yeah, cool. I, I see. I've, I've never, uh, ne- never even heard of that TV series. Mm. Oh, man, you missed out. Was there ever, ever been a Fraggle Rock comic book? Yeah, there's been Fraggle Rock comics. Are they terrible? Probably. Uh, I haven't read them because I don't really know <laughs> anything about Fraggle Rock. Man, one Jim Henson comic, which is incredible that everyone should check out, which I think was illustrated by Ramon Perez. I might be wrong. Let me just Google that. But um, A Tale of Sand. No, that was um, the dude who uh, Rod- Roger Langridge did Tale of Sand. Um, I've never actually read that. I really, really want to. It's based on a um, like unfinished... Um, is it Roger, Roger no, Langridge? No, I'm right. It was Ramon you, Perez. Oh, shit. Um, so it was adapted from a unmade feature-length film script um, of Jim Henson's, and it's in a beautiful hardcover, and Ramon Perez does some incredible work in it, and it's super worth tracking down. I really, really enjoyed that. Ah, Roger Langridge did the Muppets comics. And did them brilliantly. Those were the most fun Muppets comics of all time. Okay. I love Roger Langridge. Lots of good Henson stuff. Um so I also read a number one that came out a few weeks ago that finally shipped to Australia last week, mm-hmm. and that is the epic AD After Death Book One by Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire, which is presented in a massive magazine format. It's hard to believe it's only five ninety nine US because it took me like a good hour to get through this. Yeah, there's there's pages and pages of prose written by um by by Scott Snyder and like kind of illustrated almost like a like a um like a a picture book. Um, by Jeff Lemire, um, and then they're w- inter- interspersed with with actual you know comic frames and comic book storytelling. Um, I'm kind of not sure where they're going with this. It seems to be like set in a in a future world with a, a whole bunch of death behind us and not really like very vague descriptions of how how we got to this point. Um, this is going to be a three part series, book one, two, and three, and the second book of these comes out um, comes out at some point. Uh, in December. All right, so it's coming out. So it's going to be a monthly, a three, so oh, cool. over three months. And uh, Siobhan, I highly recommend and yeah. everyone listening, picking this up and reading it through because it was... I feel like you need that reminder that Scott Snyder is a really great writer. Totally. And the prose in this, especially the opening story, which is about a family... Um, and we actually read it in the preview. Yeah. Um, the, the family kind of uh, going on a crappy summer holiday and then finding a balloon with like a, almost like a treasure hunt mm. attached to it and um, basically trying to like get this treasure that that, that, that that the balloon tells it tells of um it's a really heartbreaking story but yeah. um this is a yeah it's, it, it's a profound bummer of a book <laughs> from uh from beginning to end but, uh, but a, man, a riveting read nonetheless and no one is better at profound bummers than jeff lemire his um his art is so heart-wrenching sometimes definitely and there's a a page of his next ongoing which he's writing and drawing called royal city coming oh, man, out through awesome. image which just looks really really great He's I love so I love Lemire when he when he writes and draws his own stuff like like yeah. the uh, uh, Essex County that we mentioned at the start of the show that's or my sweet fa- that's my favorite kind of stuff. sweet tooth sweet tooth is like Underwa- underwater favorite. welder mm-hmm. also good he's brilliant um, did you read Boombox I didn't man Siobhan she comes in here today so proud that she's read all the comics but I missed heaps turns out um, just another quick one which actually goes. Um, alongside all the recommendations we gave to Brendan earlier, um, Boombox is an all-ages compilation. They call it a mixtape of all of the all-ages comics that Boom currently publish. So you have new stories from uh, La Lumberjanes, The Backstages, Giant Days, Goldie Vance, and Slam, and then original content from Sammy Boras, Sam Davis, Cena Grace, Anna Strain, Stefan Toshef, and Adam Vass. Um, 
there's also like really cute little like Christmas cards and Christmas decorations interspersed oh, awesome. around the com- comics. I've never read Giant Days before. Giant Days is so good, man. Oh my god, John Ellison is so I didn't brilliant. realize he's the same guy that did um, Penny. What's it called? Uh, his original book is. Uh, uh, the scary go round. Yeah, scary go round. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a like a one of the first amazing uh, web comics. Absolutely. So um, yeah, yeah, so th- there's a, there's a short that, o- that opens this mixtape with from from Giant Days about them all kind of having to put together a band. It's really clever. I, I normally hate when they kind of when when characters talk about music and mm. reference real music um, bands and stuff like that in in in, in art. And I really, really enjoyed this. And in fact, that, that that should be a warning that I was not going to enjoy this compilation on a whole because it's all, the whole thing is about music. But it's actually really cute. All it's almost like an anthology of cute little stories from some characters that I recognise from Boom, and um, a few new stories that I wasn't totally a fan of. Um, there is a Goldie Vance story in here, which is not written or drawn by uh, Hope Larson or Brittany Williams. It's written by two people I've never heard of before: um, Ngozi Okazu and Olivia Margraf. Hmm. write and draw this story it's really cute it's a really cute story about um goldie taking her mate who runs the record store out to go see a musical oh cute it's really good so i mean this and it's a it's a beautiful package yeah that seems like a nice like a nice gift yeah absolutely it's a perfect perfect little christmas present for someone uh that that you want to get them into more all ages comics all the boom lineup is is really good quality Yeah, boom have done some amazing um work on getting all ages comics in the last couple of years so yeah the boom box 2016 mixtape highly recommended from me Lots Absolutely. of great first things this week. It's a pretty mm. pretty great week for comics. Yeah, it really was. And uh, you know what my favorite game is to play when there's been <laughs> lots of comics, and that game is the most beloved segment on serious issues every mm. single week. We get we get people writing in saying, "Levens, would it be possible for you to flip that coin two, three more times an episode?" And I say, "No, you got to keep them keen." It's the max. You got to be mean and keep. What's the horrible line? Treat him mean, keep him keen. That's right. So we're going to play flip a coin for Marvel or DC. Uh, Siobhan, heads is... DC. Heads is DC. Flipping that coin. It's in the air. It's on the ground. Tails. Nice. Going to talk about Marvel first. Hell yeah. Let's kick off with issue two of The Unworthy Thor by Jason Aaron and Oliver Coipel. Um, I'm going to have a pretty special guest. One word review from Wayne from King's Comics. Wayne, what did you think of Unworthy Thor number two? Amazing. Great, great Classic. choice of word. Classic great choice Wayne. of word. Iconic, iconic <laughs> review. Um, so this is uh, the story, filling in the little the blanks of what what the original Thor, the Odinson, has been doing. Now that uh, Jane Foster has st- stolen his his hammer, mm-hmm. or rightfully become the owner of his hammer, uh, and it sees him team up with Beta Ray Bill, uh, everyone's favorite horse faced Thor. <laughs> Who else is in there? Uh, horse Thor. Horse Thor. <laughs> Thor horse. <laughs> Thor's. Um, there's a brilliant nightmare scene in which uh, Thor imagines himself being crushed by his own hammer. Yeah, which I thought was really powerful. But the, my favorite thing about this is uh, you you have uh, the main villain in this story is the Collector, mm. who is someone I guess like people kind of just kind of see him as an oddity now after the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Mm. But he was originally like a proper threat to the Avengers when he was first. Um, created, yeah, and he's really scary. In he's this, terrifying. I also in this. had that kind of like, oh, the collector. He's just like a dude who collects stuff. He's yeah, just he, like every comic book. Worst man. case scenario, he'll lock up Howard the Duck. I thought he was kind of like you know that episode, that Treehouse of Horror episode with um, a comic book guy, and he collects Lucy Lawless. I oh thought yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. That. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he, he's a he's a proper threat who, who shoots people and kills the last of certain species at some point on a mm-hmm. whim. Yeah, he's he's really. 
Jason Aaron does a great job making him a proper threat Absolutely. in this issue. Um, and uh, we get a nice little tease of, of Thanos being a part of this book at the end too. And uh, I don't think I've ever read Jason Aaron on Thanos before. Oh, no, he wrote he wrote a, a Thanos story. Um, Thanos, like, like it was like his, his origin story a few oh. years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you read that one? That was, was it called Thanos Rising or something like that? Or I can't remember. No, I can't remember what it was called, but it was good. It was excellent. Yeah. Um, um, man, and like... Olivia Coipel is one of the best um, contemporary Thor artists for sure. Like the run that he did with J. Michael Straczynski, I still think is like really super brilliant. Yeah. Um, but this just shows him off to such like such an exceptional level. I love there's so much about this like unworthy Thor. It's it's almost like that situation where like, you know, he's eventually going to go back to being regular Thor. But this version is so much more fun. The goat riding shirtless, like yeah. ultra depressed Thor. I just kind of love and so the the, uh, the collector has the um, the ultimate universe's Thor's hammer, which is uh, um, he, he, and he he can't lift it. So instead of lifting the hammer, he he pulled up the very dirt that the uh, hammer sat uh, sat in, and uh, he's now he, he wants basically is, is forcing Thor to teach him how to be worthy enough to lift the hammer. But he thinks it's like he he thinks that that can't be it. Like, like it can't just be trick. that you have to be There's worthy. A trick it's to like opening it. it has to be a magic it. trick. Yeah, really, really great. Like I didn't see this coming at all, and I'm I'm really excited to see the collector as like a proper villain again. Totally, really fun, really really great guys. You can pick the next time we talk about Shivan. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, oh, should we talk about? Let's just talk about Champions. Get okay. Everyone uh, yeah. There's, okay. There's a few sucky books this week. Yeah. That Marvel put out. Champions uh, is something that is making me. Um, it makes me sad because I love Mark Wade. I love um, Humberto Ramos. Yep. Um, I wanted to love this concept because I think that they like they've worked on some great um, sort of teen superhero comics before, like Impulse, which I love. Um, this <laughs> this comic is so weird. It starts with Amadeus Cho Hulk making out with Viv Vision. But before we get there, the the first page is a, a you're in a close up yeah. of two books with Arabic text on the front cover in the desert. With blood all over them. That's yes. like the first page of this book. So it's like it's so heavy-handed. Yeah. And like when it is doing just the straight teenage heroic stuff, it's really, really great. But it's trying to do this social justice side, which normally I'm a massive fan of. But it's so heavy-handed in its themes, and I feel like you can't do in 2016. You can't go to areas of the Middle East to fight terrorism yeah. as a superhero. It's just Absolutely. It's not, as American superheroes, it makes fucked. me incredibly uncomfortable. Even, even if you have like a Muslim member on yeah, the team. Yeah, and like referencing Malala and all that kind of stuff, it just, it, it comes across as, yeah. I understand what they're trying to do, but it's just very heavy-handed and neither of the creative team are you know, of Middle Eastern descent or anything that would give them an appropriate um, perspective to talk about these kinds of issues. And I'm not saying that you have to be from an area to be able to talk about stuff, but it just comes across as a bit thoughtless and a little bit... Um, offensive. A little bit offensive. It made me it made me uncomfortable to read. I'm not going to lie. I, like straight up, I was like, well, I can't wait to not read one more issue of this series. Yeah. This sucks. Because we had the really weird, like... Uh, human trafficking in the first issue yeah. and that was a red flag if there ever yeah. was one it's like you can't whole, like like the the day is eventually saved by um a muslim woman kind of standing up and using the champions as her backup and they just spend the whole time going like wow she's badass and i understand that they're trying to like subvert some kind of stereotype that they think is there but it just it makes yeah it made me uncomfortable 
it which really, makes me sad. It felt really out of touch. Because, yeah, that's the thing. And Mark Wade is not an out-of-touch guy. Um, most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just... It's a, it's a, it's a heaps weird one. Yeah. Um, and also... Amadeus Cho hulked out, making out with Viv Vision. That's so weird. <laughs> That's such a weird thing. Why did you do that? God. That was strange. Yeah. Anyway. I'll, I'll take in here, and uh, I don't think I'm going to read another issue of Champions. What about you? Um, I don't know. I might give a one more. I don't know. I don't know why. It is like, it's still I pretty like easy to go through. Yeah, the art's great. Of yeah. course, the art's great. Um, but not uh, not top of my list. You know what book I liked considerably more, even though it was a, a confusing mess to read at one point? Mm. Um, the second issue of Mark Wade's Avengers with Mike Del Mundo on art. Um, I mean, obviously, from an art point of view, this was Mike spectacular. Mike he's the best. That first page with an upside-down vision in sort of negative space is brilliant. Yeah. Um, so the vision has kidnapped a young, a young like, like Baby basically Kang. Kang, who is the Kang the Conqueror. He, he uses time against uh, the Avengers and you can never beat him because he's always the master of the time stream. So uh, the vision goes back in time and kidnaps him as a baby. Um, and then in turn, uh, all of these different paradoxes of Kangs. So like multiple Kangs are all attacking the Avengers. They go back in time and uh, kill all the Avengers when they're babies, and then a very far future version of Kang rescues <laughs> the Avengers as they are now and hides them in limbo where they can't be affected by the time stream. It was like a really silly mess, but I kind of love Avengers books for doing that sometimes. And I feel like all Kang stories, there's a level of complete like nuttiness to it. Yeah, totally. I just feel like this is a story that has been done a bazillion times before. The like going back in time to take out baby whatever yeah. and like time travel stuff I just yeah I just feel like this has been done but man I would read anything that Mike Del Mundo does he's I feel like you know you look at his pages and it's easy to overlook how um because the the colors are so striking and the way that he does sort of um the inks and stuff is so incredible but he's so good at like facial expression and physical comedy and um panel layout and the spacing and everything that um it's super worth reading just for that what i really liked about this issue and i was like oh wow and i think i'm really on board for this right now Mm. is the presence of hercules yeah so i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just because he's a great character um, who I really enjoyed um, Abnett's run on last year, that I, I'm, uh, earlier this year, that I'm, I'm bummed that it's, it's kind of gone to the wayside. Mm. But uh, because Kang has gone back and killed all these Avengers when they were babies, the only one he can't kill is Hercules because no one knows when Hercules is born. He's a, he's, yeah. a, he's a god. Yeah. Um, so I actually... That was a clever twist. I was really excited that, that th- this book was going to be a few issues of the Avengers stuck in limbo mm. while Hercules tries to like find them and, and kind of like evading the time stream because no one knows when he was born. That would be a cool thing. But annoyingly, that's already been... Like the Avengers already back into it. So Yeah. It was, there was, it was a, a cute few pages. <laughs> There's a line in this that like... Um, encapsulates so much that I find really frustrating with superhero comics these days when the sort of good future Kang shows up um, and they're confronted by, you know, someone they don't know and Captain America goes, um, someone goes, who's that? And he goes, don't know, don't care and don't like being threatened. Strike back! Which is just like the most annoying, dumb, classic superhero thing of all time. (laughs) You know what else is dumb this week? Yay! <laughs> uh, the Clone Conspiracy number three by Dan Slott and uh, um, Jim Chung. Jim Chung! Jim, Jim Chung for the win. Art was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, this is a, the kind of big spider event in which every single dead person in Spider-Man's life has been brought back to life um, using not clone technology, but some weird technology that if they don't take a pill every day, they turn into zombies. Yeah. Uh, a lot to take in with this. I feel like this is just a very, very messy event that uh, yeah, I think if a- I was just pounding through every issue at once, it'd be fine. But reading this week to week or month to month is a task, a task. Absolutely. And it's a book that um, Dan Slott has been working on Spider-Man for what, like 10 years now or something like that. Like he has had the longest, most consistent run on Spider-Man um, of anyone that, you know, I've ever seen. And this involves a lot of Dan Slott-specific Spider-Man history. So it's not an easy event for you to jump into if you don't know that there is now multiple Gwen Stacys running around and um, all the alternate universe people and Anna Marconi and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a complicated read. Yeah. That- With the least surprising reveal of all time at the end. Yeah, I, I think... For me, it's just like I'm not excited by this at all. Like the Spider Verse stuff, while I thought in the end was quite disappointing at the time, I was like, "This is actually really fun" because you know, yeah. like the Twinkie Spider Man is here, and the, yeah, um, that's great. Uh, good for that. Um, but this, uh, this, I just feel like okay, Dan Slot, you've had an incredible run, <laughs> yeah, and it's getting less incredible. Maybe it's time to like because I love his Silver Surfer run a lot. Yeah, um, and that's and that's like understated. Where this is like just throw everything at the wall. Totally. Um, he just loves Spider Man so much. I know, but I, you know you can include Spider Man in in another story. Yeah. With, with another superhero, I just think you shouldn't. No one should unless it's a character you created. No one should write a character that has like fifty years of stories before you even started writing it yeah. for longer than ten years. I, th- I think it's time for him to to. Make a move. And that's yeah. no slight on him as a writer No, at all. I mean, Superior Spider-Man is, like, such, that's my fa- such a brilliant A high point comic. of his run for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely brilliant. And, like, big time and stuff like that. He was doing such fun stuff early on um, in his runs. But, I mean, like, uh, the reveal that this this new jackal who's been behind all of these clones is um, Ben Riley, The original clone uh, Spider-Man is, like, not 
I mean, I wasn't shocked by that. I don't know if anyone was. Um, and it's just a bit like, no one likes the Spider-Man clone stuff. There's a reason that, like, I mean, I like Scarlet Spider and I like some of those stuff and I think they've done some fun stuff with that. But it's just a little bit, it's a little bit boring. And the reveal that he's trying to bring back Uncle Ben, I find, like, tasteless. Yeah. That'd be gross. Let people stay dead. Yeah, let, let fucking Uncle Ben stay dead for crying <laughs> out loud. Um, I read A Year of Marvels, the uncanny number one, which is um, Marvel's kind of uh, monthly anthology where they where they assign a holiday each month to a different superhero. This time we got one of uh, of Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, and um, then a, a Halloween story or Thanksgiving story. Sorry, a Halloween story with Kate Bishop and then a Thanksgiving story of the Punisher. And neither were particularly good. So I'll leave it at that. Mm, nice. This series started out great with the Ryan North Spider-Man and another pretty okay one as well. But it's just kind of gotten, I don't really care about it anymore. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I read some other good Marvel books. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying All New Wolverine by Tom Taylor. Um, she's, uh, this is like, it just a, just, it just felt like it's just a good issue. Just a Absolutely. solid, solid issue. Um, Continues in, to be heaps fun. Jibril Morissette um, fan is um, doing excellent work on this series. I really like the art. There was some like surprising double crosses and things like that that were really brilliant in this book. I love the um, I love what Tom Taylor is doing with X twenty three. I think he's making a such a fun character. Definitely and, agree. Um, I like Gabby, the other clone, clone Wolverine, and using Nick yeah. Nick Fury Junior to good effect because no one else is. You may as well put him in, in one book. Totally, he's used really well in this book. So yeah, I, I, it's I mean it's not really a book that really needs more review than that. It's just no. good. It's a like good. It's like and it, the threat is genuinely scary. Like I I like X twenty three is such a brilliant character and the fact that she is so so extremely powerful and the trigger scent is all she needs to like go completely feral is um you know pretty pretty terrifying and it's um yeah I think I think Tom Taylor's doing a great job of that one. Uh, finally, I read Moon Knight, number nine, by Jeff Lemire, with uh, guest artists uh, Francesca Fregovia, um, James Stoko, uh, Wilfredo Torres, and uh, Greg Smallwood, who is the regular artist on this book. Um, we've been kind of following this run with Beta Breath, uh, each issue kind of these weird surprises as, as uh, basically he's gone the very literal literal route of... Uh, Literal, 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 literal route, 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 nice, route um, of uh, assigning all of Moon Knight's split personalities to a different artist and a different character, mm. um, and it's been really effective. It's been really, really fun following all of these different facets of Moon Knight's mind. But uh, he's finally brought them all together, and he's he kind of says goodbye to all of his split personalities in this issue, and uh, it ends with him going to confront uh Konshu, who is the uh the guy that gave him the, the moon knight powers to begin with yeah like this is one of those comics that um along with things like tom king's the vision you almost can't quite believe is happening in a mainstream superhero comic um to use the i like the the superhero genre to do a comic about split, split personalities and things like that i think is really um brilliant and genius and getting um, such an incredible array of artists on such an eclectic book is uh, so brilliant. Such a fun read. If you like really non-traditional superhero comics, I can't recommend this enough. Yeah, really great issue. And uh, I wonder what, what's he going to do once this kind of this story that he's been telling since the first issue is it wraps up. Is he is he suddenly become going to become a regular superhero book again? Or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because it's worked so well with him exploring his psyche. But yeah, I guess that can only go for so long. Yeah, great book. Really brilliant. 
Uh, I also read um, Scarlet Witch, issue 13. Um, so this is the series written by James Robinson that's had a rotating cast of um, really interesting artists. This one has art by Jonathan Marks Baravecchia, who I have not heard of before. Um, and this is like Wanda trying to figure out who she is and what's going on with magic um and then every single time she uses her magic she is getting older and getting closer to death so this is all about her going on the witch's road with um agatha harkness trying to find her mother to figure out um all the stuff that's going on and the art in this is so brilliant it's really reminiscent of like something you almost would see in like a neil gaiman comic or something like that like something 90s vertigo um and yeah i love this each issue is so different and it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it reads all together in trade, but um, I really enjoy it. It's not top of my pile, but um, I think it's an underrated, definitely an underrated series. Yeah, it's one of those books that every time you talk about it, I'm like, oh, I should be reading that. Why yeah. am I reading that? I don't know. Now that it's kind of more ongoing, I'm less interested in it. I liked it when it kind of seemed like a different artist for each issue. Yeah, but um, the story, and like there is an element of like, it's a story in which Wanda is confronting her, you know, past and her who she is and all that kind of stuff and you know that can be a little bit exhausting and a little bit boring and something that we've seen before in comics but the rotating artists makes it so fun yep right awesome uh those are our marvel reviews now we review all the dc books and i read quite a few this week yeah it was a good it was a good dc week i think you may have read more than me um do you want to start with the good or the bad uh let's start with the bad what do you think was bad um oh i stupidly thought i would like check in with aquaman (laughs) Um, the Deluge Part 1 um, of Dan Abnett and uh, someone uh, and um, Philip Bryonis um, yeah don't check in with Aquaman that's my advice to you but the Statue of Liberty is underwater What's I thought that was on? cool yeah but so it's just like it's like boring war between there actually is a war between the surface and the, and the sea and I don't want to see that. That's so boring. No, you guys couldn't see, but I just rolled my eyes really hard. Yeah. Um, because I want cool underwater adventures, or I want eco warrior Aquaman. Yes, there's. No, I want harpoon hand Aquaman. There's I'm no, so there's no sense of adventure in these books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like you could, ex- oh, man, imagine like a really crazy, trippy underwater Aquaman comic where he explores and meets different undersea creatures. That would be so exciting. Do that, guys. Not more boring wars with the surface. No one cares. Um, and then less bad, but just kind of... I'm just reading these just purely because I started reading them. I want to see how they play out. But yep. Death of Hawkman, part uh, three I of six. And Midnighter and Apollo, part three of six. I don't... Also dropped. I don't really care about either book right now, which is a shame, especially for the Midnighter and Apollo, because I love yeah. Steve Orlando's Midnighter run. Um, and it's written by Steve Orlando. But uh, I just... It's about Midnighter going to hell to get Apollo back. And usually I kind of like the DC version of hell is always quite fun but this is mm. just like there's some okay moments going on this is him like kind of collecting all the different artifacts he'll need for his quest to hell i certainly like this more than death of hawk man uh but it's not Why is apollo in hell what? surely he'd be in heaven um he he got killed by a certain person that dragged him to hell ah, right. yeah uh death of hawk man on the other hand like it was, it was one of those books where i was like i'm not going to enjoy this and then i liked that first issue and then i liked the second one a little less and then the third one i'm like why am i reading this <laughs> so i'm probably just going to read it until see it play out so I, I won't review it i won't review the next few until the the final issue of both these books unless midnight and apollo, apollo improves dramatically and that's another one that like i find disappointing because um i love weird space stuff and the sort of Thanagar 
like universe can, has so much potential and there's yeah, so much room for fun the, in there, but the it's so thing, relentlessly dour. It was and just like, like, oh, wow, Birdman. Oh, wait, Hawkman, <laughs> sorry. Hawkman. Um, you and me are very different people. Like that Adam Strange and him just like it's... And I love Adam you Strange You don't wear too. a shirt and I do. Yeah. And That's crazy. You're hairy and I'm not. Like <laughs> it pretty much says that at one point. So yeah, those are the DC books I enjoyed less, which is uh, a good sign because I've got about... Eight books stack. in front of me that I really, really enjoyed this yeah, week. Yeah, isn't that fun? What a fun! Oh, actually, fun no, I didn't. I didn't like Batman this week. See, Batman's a controversial. I feel like this was a controversial issue that people had a lot of feelings about. I don't mind this because I almost feel like I. I wish it was a separate, like standalone graphic novel because I think Tom King is really putting his stamp on the character and doing something different um, and kind of weird and interesting and retelling. Sort of giving a different view of um, Batman's origin story and the the way that he decided to become um, Batman, and it, it feels a little strange for an incontinuity Bat book, but um, I find it I find it interesting. And God, I love Naked Bane sitting on a statue of skulls. Yeah, I know, but he's, on he's been skulls. sitting on those fucking throne of skulls for four issues. Would you now. move if you had a throne of no, skulls? No, but they haven't haven't advanced that story. Yet. I know. Like like the last issue what did, but the this issue and the and the Catwoman kind of narrated issue. I get it, it's great to hear the the backstory of why Batman and Catwoman are who they are. And why but, they love making out. Yeah, I just uh I wasn't crazy about it just felt like a filler issue. Yeah, I understand that. I do understand that. Um and it is like it's it's a controversial thing to do to the character, sort of basically saying that his decision to become Batman is an extended suicide mission and that he has um, already decided basically that he's dead and that that's all he's doing and that's what he and Catwoman have in common. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting voice for Bruce. I think that, again, this would probably read better in a trade. I think that Tom King is playing a long game with this series and the... the uh, sort of big narrated issues will probably make a bit more sense and be a bit more fun to read as part of a whole. Yeah, I kind of would. I would have preferred either this issue be the intro and the Catwoman be intro be the outro or vice versa and then have the oh, arc yeah. in the middle of those. Just because breaking up the the actual story with these heavily narrated issues that delve into backstory Having two so close to each other, even though the Michael Janin art is so good, so good, um, and this is like this is a really unbeatable version of Batman. Like this is a guy who will. I mean, not that that's. Some people have been like, "Oh, how come Batman can just be shot in the face and is fine again now?" But uh, it's just Batman. Yes, yeah. you just go. Uh, it's just Batman. He can beat up a hundred armed goons because he's Batman. Yeah. Get so look, I wasn't crazy. It wasn't bad. I'm still. I'm still obviously going to keep reading uh, every single issue of Batman because I, I. I am liking it overall, but. Yeah, I thought it was a weird choice to have another heavily narrated issue again. But again, like that that end page um, with, I mean, the the team up of Naked Bane because I think he's a separate character. Naked Bane. Um, There's so much nudity in comics this week. That Naked <laughs> Odin Sun Dream, oh, yep. man, so good. Um, naked Bane, evil serial killer Catwoman, and Psycho Pirate. That's a fun. That's a fun team of bad guys. I like that. Um, and I, I sort of, I mean, I like, I like. Detective Batman, and I don't necessarily love like really grim Bat comics, but um, I'm still I'm still down. All right, it's interesting, you know. At least he's trying to do something different. So the rest of the DC books I read, I really liked. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, same. I think. Let me double check. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay, you you go through. Do you tell me ones that you liked less? I think that oh, I'm like I am keen that Nightwing is back in Bloodhaven, but I don't think that that is. 
on its own enough to sell me on this um, arc just yet. I loved the Marcus Toe art. Oh yes, and he did the Joyride series for um, for Boom. Um, this is he was he's such a good fit for this Nightwing book because he, yeah. he kind of takes what we saw in the early issues and kind of makes it his own. It's so good. How did you not? There's a talking ape in this in this book. How did you not? Oh like yeah, this? I did like the monkey. <laughs> All DC books are improved. It's a fact. It's All fact. DC books are, are improved with a talking ape. It's absolutely true. Um, All comics are improved with uh, a talking. Uh, ape. The, the same thing is uh, apes and gorillas the same things or are they different? Gorillas are apes. Okay. Write in if you, if you want to tell us the difference between gorillas and apes. King, uh, serious issues at kingscomics.com. We'll read it out. Even if you lie to us profusely, I'll, I'll read it out next, yes, next episode. Uh, so, yeah, Nightwing. Um, the Nightwing I know, my Nightwing, Sharon, <laughs> uh, moved to Bloodhaven um, after a big argument with Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, he set up over there, which is... It he was came like, a cop. Yeah. And it, it, Bloodhaven's a way grosser city than, than Gotham. Mm-hmm. There's way more police corruption. And, and Nightwing did his best to clean it up. And it was a really great run by Chuck Dixon. Mm-hmm. And one of the, you know, the first stories I ever read, that was just all about Nightwing. Um, and uh, the New 52 got rid of Bloodhaven, but with this new uh, run of Nightwing stories... Bloodhaven's back, baby. And uh, that's where Nightwing has gone. And he's going to be like a youth worker. Something yeah. Something like that. Which that is cute. sick. That's like, a that's great, great idea. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, like, that's a great fit for the character. But then it's also, like, the comic is heavily about the Bloodhaven tourist board and how they're trying to get more people coming to Bloodhaven, which, like, that's fine. Oh, it's that's fine. That's it's cool. fine. It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> um, but but they, that, that yeah. sets up that they're going, to, they're going to publicly announce that Nightwing now lives in Bloodhaven. So yeah. what's going to happen because of that? Crazy shit, I'm sure. But also, like, the whole, like, yeah, this is going to be easy. It's so easy in Bloodhaven to tell the good guys from the bad guys. So easy in black and white. That's what I need. And, like, the most annoying setup to, like, oh, someone that I thought was a good guy is someone that I thought was a bad guy. Who's this DeFacer? Is crazy. I don't know the villain DeFacer. Yeah, I don't know. She looks like a graffiti artist. Yeah. <laughs> is that her super villain yeah, identity? N- Nightwing's like, anti-graffiti. <laughs> um, I did, like, there's a cute little moment where he tries to have a night away from fighting crime. And uh, it, it's a 10 minute, ten minutes pass and he, you see him pick up a comic and you see him try to watch TV. The first book he picks up is Robin Hood. Then he picks up a book called Robin Hood Rebirth. <laughs> so that was cute. That's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, I, this is, I really hated that last issue of Nightwing and this is what I needed to get back on board. So I like this issue. Yeah, I'm not all the way back on board, but um, I didn't like, it didn't make me violently ill or anything like that. Let's talk about something that I know you loved. Yay! Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. Ah, as if that isn't the best title of all time. Book two by Sarah Vaughan and Lan Medina. Um, this is, again, another book that doesn't seem to fit in with being a, you know, normal superhero comic. And it's not, because Dead Man is a weird character who... Um, I, always, I always feel like, why, why isn't Dead Man just like um, Dick Grayson's dad? Because he was a, um, <laughs> yeah, trapeze, a trapeze artist, artist who was shot. Yeah. Wouldn't that just be a funnier, funnier tie-in than making yeah. him a separate trapeze artist? But instead, he's Boston Brand. Um, and in this, I sort of almost had forgotten what happened in the first... Um, first arc of this. Um, so yeah, D- D- Dead Man is like trapped in a mansion, mm. uh, and within that mansion is a writer who is finishing his book. Um, hit the writer's uh, girlfriend who can see Dead Man, mm-hmm. and then uh, we, oh, there's also um, one of the, the 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 girl's friends who who comes to visit yes. Thunderbite, who is an antique st- shop owner. Yes, and um, another ghost is also trapped in this um, mansion. And the secret to being, I think, the key to being um, to releasing Boston and um, this 
ghost character lies in figuring out who killed her. So it's just a really sick, like, gothic, almost Victorian murder mystery with ghosts and brilliant art and romance. And, oh, I love this. It's so good. Yeah. Um, the art is fantastic, like beautiful kind of painted art, mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's a it's a romance book. Yeah, as well. it's it's a straight up like romance in the sort of like Byron Shelley kind of tradition. I feel like it is, um, yeah, man, so much fun. Yeah. I really. So enjoy I'm trying this. to figure out. So I know Sarah Vaughan was one of the writers of Alex and Ada. Yes, which um, is which also a brilliant, unbelievable comic. book on uh, on image about. Um, if, if, if you liked Westworld, it's a, it's a uh, the, the TV show. You'd probably like Alex and Ada, which is about, or even like her, mm-hmm. the movie. Um, it's about uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, falling in love with artificial intelligence. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm sure she's on. Yeah, she's great. She's really, really great. And like, this is a, a very, very different book for DC to be putting out. And it feels like a really special classic book. DC yeah. book. And it's I special. love it. It's in prestige format too. Mm, yeah, and no special. ads, no ads in it. No, oh, oh, I didn't even notice that. It's so beautiful to read a DC comic without fifty ads all the way through it. Oh, I love it. Beautiful. I, 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 as I didn't. Well. I didn't finish this book feeling like a Snickers bar. <laughs> um, so yeah, Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. Probably like should have been on our list of best DC books, I guess. But we only had. Yeah, there was only one, one issue in, but yeah. worth it. Oh, well, maybe Dark next man. year. Brilliant. Um, I liked the Flintstones this week. Of course, I like the Flintstones. Of course, this week. we like the Flintstones this week. Shouts like to Mark Russell every month. Shouts to shouts to Mark. Votes for himself, Russell, <laughs> um, writer of the Flintstones, and uh, Steve Pugh on art. That's it. This is probably my least favorite book of uh, oh, issue yeah? of the Flintstones, but that's only because I've loved every other issue so far. I uh, yeah, I, I put really this on par with the first one. one. I really love this one. This is all about um, the <laughs> the hilarious Carl Sagan equivalent scientist character who. Um, on his newfangled abacus, um, sees that uh, an asteroid is coming to wipe out the planet and everyone starts panicking and all of the sort of tenuous rules that they've put together to make a society all start devolving and they um, everyone goes a little bit mental. Mm. But there's some really, like, it's so, it, like, we say this every week, but they deal with such huge themes and huge ideas and really brilliant concepts and really tug at your heartstrings, but also really funny. Like the fact that there's a they're studying moths in the Mothodone Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh really hard. So, yeah, I thought this, this on a gag level, this made me laugh a lot, but yeah. there wasn't that super warm moment at the end that the other issues have given us. No, this is. I think this one's a bit more bleak about the fact that um, society is basically us um, agreeing on a number of delusions to kind of keep it together. But I, I sort of like that because I'm feeling fairly grim about society. I really loved um, the beginning of uh, this issue where they're kind of like weighing up whether or not civilization is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Fred and Wilma are kind of like, do you think civilization has made us better people? I don't know, Wilma, but at least there's bowling. Like that actually is like straight out of something you would have heard in the cartoon. Totally. Um, and how, how grim is the conversation between bowling ball and vacuum cleaner yeah. who never see the outside world and things like that. That was my favourite moment of the entire issue because like watching the old, old Flintstones cartoon it would always be like I'm going to put a record on and they would like like twist a, be- a bird's bird mm. and like put the bird's beak on the record player and it would start playing and then they like leave the room and the record player would stop playing and be like oh sheesh what a job you know yeah. what I mean? And that was the extent of the commentary you got from all the animals who had to do all of their chores for them but you get this really sweet and sad moment where uh yeah, like uh, Fred's bowling ball, who was an armadillo, um, talks to his vacuum cleaner, who was an elephant. 
about what they do at night in the dark and they depend on each other <laughs> in their own way. I thought that was really tragic and beautiful. Yeah, and there's so many tragic moments in this. Like the um, uh, Fred's boss who runs the quarry realises when the end of the world is coming that no one wants to spend the end of the world with him and realises that his money hasn't been able to buy him what he truly wants, which is the respect and love of his peers. Like, just it's just so the company funny. of his peers, yeah. Like, yeah. like manages to be really heartbreaking and funny and Steve Pugh is such a flippin' great cartoonist. Mm, Man. Definitely. I really love this. Yeah, I, I, I loved it too, but it was still like, yeah, uh, not, not not my... Like, when it, I had say no, it, it had no warm, fuzzy, um, like... It didn't make me cry. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like usually there's like a beautiful moment between Fred and Wilma or the kids or something yeah. like that to kind of make Dino. you make you feel good at the end of the issue, but um, this was... <laughs> this was a much more bleak one, but I fucking love it. I reckon he, you know, because Prez, which was uh, Mark Russell's book before this, ended at issue six. Mm. So I, I think maybe he wrote this issue knowing that this might be the last one. Right, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. uh, because this has been like a, the kind of almost like run, not quite runaway success, but it is like it's every it's week I read success, someone else writing, why the hell is this so good? Yeah, totally. Um, Everyone else is starting to wake up to it. Just wait for the end of your lists. Like, also, I just <laughs> noticed because like there's so much, there's so much background content and stuff like that. Like this is one of those comics that you can really pour over the background details and find new jokes. Is the strip club called Homo Erectus? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> like brilliant. That's, that's so funny. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, yeah, love it. Great series. Unfortunately, uh, the first trade will not be out in time for Christmas. Yeah, um, but. I think that, that, that I think that's because this this issue is going to be included in it. So uh, I think the first six six issues will be included in the trade when it comes out early next year. But definitely pick it up. Just buy. It doesn't need to be a Christmas present. Just get your your friends in. Any just I love your present. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Superman this week. Uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason with Doug Mankey filling in. I love the damp Doug Mankey filling issues. Man. And Doug, you could not find a much more appropriate artist to write a um, to draw a Frankenstein issue than Doug Mankey who excels at creepy monsters and scary bad guys like I loved all of his um, scary Greenland stuff just because no one draws horrible dead eyes quite like Doug Mankey <laughs> I feel like he's drawn Frankenstein in the past as yeah, well yeah I think he has uh, I uh, I love the character of Frankenstein in the DC universe yeah. and uh, while this was a pretty like light issue for Superman standards again no warm and fuzzy parenting moment in this issue either no um, but lots of Lois action which yeah is that's sick. true yeah um, uh, so basically Lois is at the Daily Planet um, or no sorry she's not at the Daily Planet at a new place that she's going for a job the Hamilton whatever wherever the the country town that the super family is now living their local paper but it turns out her bo- her boss is targeted by Frankenstein who shows up out of nowhere no explanation and tries to kill her new boss um, and then so she helps the boss escape um, and uh, it's all friggin' crazy because she's got the Hellbat glove that she stole from um, from Batman's moon base, which is just so, such a great yeah, thing. Yeah, so fun. Part of like, it. what a fun addition. Um, and there's some funny moments of, like, you know, a, um, a farmer trying to protect Superman and shooting Frankenstein just to, you know, Stand up, stand up for the little guy, which yeah. is nice. There's been an interesting conversation, I think Mark Wade and someone else has been having on Twitter lately, about um, maybe it would be an interesting thing now to relocate Superman's history from kind of Kansas to somewhere more um, coastal because maybe those values aren't necessarily oh, yeah. reflected in middle America anymore. Very true. 
maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very controversial. Like, yeah, I think they've been getting a lot of flack for it, but it's an interesting concept. There are good people in the South still, but for the, sure. overwhelming of and not, Middle not America, people, yeah, Gee whiz. yeah, totally. And there are lots of nice Kansas people. <laughs> um, it's kind of still kind of South, not really, just middle, just mm. all mid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this 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 issue ends with uh, the reveal of Krug. Is Krug a character you're familiar with? Nope. They're purple and gross. So look forward to purple and gross monsters in the next issue of Superman. And also, here comes the bride. Yes, Frankenstein's bride. Frankenstein. bride? Yeah, awesome. Hell yeah. Um, if you enjoy this in- incarnation of Frankenstein, you should definitely read um, uh, Pat- Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's Batman and Robin run mm-hmm. because uh, Frankenstein featured heavily in that, including a really, really grim issue in which uh, Batman pulls Frankenstein apart to try mm. and use the technology within him to bring back um, Robin to life. So good. Real good. Real, real good. Uh, Shade the Changing Girl, issue three from DC's Young Animal. Um, a really, really solid issue. This is far and away my favorite of the Young Animal books. Same. Written by um, Cecil Castellucci with art by Marley Zarconi. Like, that that art is brilliant. It's so good, guys. The art is like goes from like really, really solid, like kind of slice of life cartooning to like completely out there, crazy, trippy visual stuff. And like uh, crazy space stuff, like a really interesting, weird... Um, space world i don't even like we don't even really understand where they are whether it's cross-dimensional or just straight up in space but like this somehow manages to be this incredible intergalactic comic while also being extremely about like being a teenage girl definitely it's excellent and the colors by kelly fitzpatrick and it deserve a shout out too absolutely wonderful yeah this Uh, is a beautiful comic guys yeah and so you have this this alien being who's in the body of a teenage girl trying to work out why everyone hates her and trying to work out why she wants everyone to not hate her and Mm. uh, you know she used to be a synchronized swimmer but now she doesn't know how to swim and various people in the neighborhood are working out that she's definitely not the person that she once was and you know they didn't trust her to begin with anyway so why should they trust her now it's really a lot of crazy shit going on in this and there's a backup in this of a of, of a series that i never thought would make a little return and it's dial h for, for hero oh yeah and that was such a fun bizarre little, little yeah. one and done when, when, depressing story when you see trouble you uh you call the number and uh and you turn into a hero and uh, this uh, hero, not everything works out for the hero, but it plays with the idea of uh, like rewriting the, the letters H-E-R to represent what's happening in each panel. It was really mm. clever and, and a total bummer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but perfect fit for the Young Animal universe. If they, want, if, they, if they bring Dial H for Hero back, it would be a great fit within Young Animal. That was totally. a really great series. Did you ever read that? In, no, uh, not really. Oh, it's sick. And, and, the, and the end, the final issue of it, um, with all these incredible guest artists, like so many artists that are our favorites contributed oh, to it. Um, it speaking of artists that we love, the final DC book that I read last this week was a Vertigo book uh, called Unfollow that I rave about constantly, written by Rob Williams. It's about 140 people who are uh, basically get an, an announcement over a social media platform that they are going to inherit the billions of dollars of uh, this dead rich guy. Um, and this story, um, this issue was all about the backstory of the dead rich guy and uh, was guest oh. artist was Javier Polito, <sighs> who is always, always excellent. And, uh, I could not believe how many people didn't like his She-Hulk run. I thought that was so small-minded. Yeah. So what, what didn't they like about it? Just his art style? Or? Yeah, just his art style. Yeah. Because it was like bizarre. different and weird. His but art's perfect to me. Like, this, this is like, yeah, I love it. My ideal art is, is Javier Polito. I think it's like, him and like, Marcos Martin. Like, they're like my, two of my favorite artists. But mm, totally. As soon as I get put on a superhero book, I'm like, yes. Yes, please. Uh, so yeah, this is a really, really great 
and and terrifying story of, of uh, about the millionaire who's kind of at the heart of uh, unfollow. Um, and uh, you know the, the backstory plays out as you would imagine. Fun. This is a sick series. More people should be reading it. I, I, I think last year I said like you know if if uh, one if I could tell one one tell everyone to read one series so I had more people to talk about it with each mm. week it would be sex. Mm-hmm. Um, we I now know that uh, a friend of ours, well, not a friend of the show, Richard, aka Sydney comic book guy, on. Uh, on t- on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, has he he smashed through all four, four trades of sex over the weekend. Oh nice! He had a lot of sex this weekend. Hey yo! So uh, if you want to uh, be in my good books, um, you should definitely read Unfollow. Mm. It's a it's a, it's a classic classic Vertigo tale. It's excellent, Siobhan. I'm directing this at you. you yeah, I know. I'm reading it in trade. It's okay. great in trade. All right. Check it out in trade, guys. Okay, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are our DC reviews. Marvel reviews done too. Nice. We've got a whole bunch of uh, image books to talk about. Yeah, talk about got image. a few Dark Horse ones, some boom joints, Oni Press. What yeah. do you got? How do you want to kick this off? Uh, let's start with Image. Why not? Why Go not start it. with Image? Um, so you gave up on Glitterbomb. I sure did. The series by Jim Zub with art by the aforementioned Jibril Morissette fan. Um, this is a book about the real monster is Hollywood, but then also actual monsters, um, which I really like. Like, it's a theme... You know, Levin's thinks has been done to death a little bit, and that's true to an extent. But I think this is a fun take on it. Um, and this sort of like this is a huge issue where um, our main character, who is a former actress on a sort of sci-fi TV show, who was treated really poorly, and her um, former harasser, who was um, the star of the show, she killed in a previous issue with using the monster that lives inside her now. And so um, she gets invited to his huge. Um, memorial service that's happening in Hollywood and she goes up to all the people who were also harassed by him and infects them with the monster and then she interrupts the memorial to give a speech about the fact that he harassed and abused her and the fact that he wasn't a good guy and then releases the monster that lives inside her and now in all of um, these other characters and there's just a massacre. Oh wow. And it sort of ends with like you know, her son and her babysitter seeing that on screen and her son realizing that his mum is gone. She doesn't live there anymore. She doesn't exist in that body. Um, and that's true. Wow. Like the, the character died when she was infected by the monster and now she's just monster. And it's so good, guys. Yeah. I really like this. It's really fun and it's to be continued. So we're going to see more scary monster stuff. And it's heaps fun. Heaps fun, guys. Awesome. You read another book that I didn't. What's that one? Oh, Arclight. So this is one of the um, books um, sort of written by Brandon Graham with art by Marion Churchland. Sort of in it was in the Eight House um, series of books, which has sort of uh, not, not really failed as a series, but it just didn't quite take off. So now the books are just being put out under their own names. Arclight is um, they're sort of I don't even know how to explain it. It's so good. Marion Churchland is one of my favorite comic book um, artists. I think she's completely brilliant. And this is a really bizarre sci-fi fantasy book, more fantasy than sci-fi, about sort of knights and blood magic and it's all very gender bent and um people, come, people made of wood this? and trees yeah i don't know man um, <laughs> <laughs> i've never even heard of it. <laughs> it it's been a long time between issues right. this is um i feel like months after and it was reasonably hard to follow because it's been such a long time since um the last issue and it's a fairly you know uh, 
esoteric comic anyway. Um, but I really highly recommend this. And the second it comes out in trade, I really think everyone should pick it up because this is such different weird comics and Brandon Graham and Marion Churchland work really well together. And um, I think she's so brilliant. So definitely, definitely one to check out. And on the uh, Brandon Graham note. Yes, there was also another issue of Ireland, his um, anthology series, which he puts together. This, I can't recommend this enough. Like, you're getting such an interesting um, array of comics from... All over the world. All over the world. Everywhere. There's a comic by the um, brilliant Australian team of Phil Barlow and Helen Meyer. Um, continuing their Zooniverse comics. There's some brilliant wordless um, sort of high fantasy stuff that's really good fun. There's this really sketchy, bizarre, black and white artificial intelligence comic. Um, this just gives you such an incredible array of like high art comics that you don't normally see in American work, especially um, through such a mainstream um, publisher like Image. I Yeah, Brilliant. So brilliant, guys. Pick it up. I wonder Pick if it up. Are they ever going to collect this in, in trade? Of well, they're collecting a whole bunch of the um, individual stories in trade, which is really cool. Like one I spoke about, I think, last week, Ancestor has come out. Another um, one of the eight house books. What is it called? I can't remember. I raved about it a little while ago. But yeah, anything anything that comes under the island banner. Um, and it is great. They're reprinting some of the some of the things in trade. I think you should just pick up. Do it. Because everything's great. Do it, y'all. Um, so we read one image book each. Like the, we, we, uh, There was only one image <laughs> book that we'd both read, and that was Violent Love Number 2 by uh, Frank J. Barbier and Victor Santos. Um, this book started out as like the kind of beginning of a tale of a Bonnie and Clyde-esque relationship, mm-hmm. um, as told by a grandpa to his daughter, which is a great storytelling trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was like, you know, a, a little bit of a tragic tale in the first issue, but this one, second issue, took it a way more pulp. And kind mm. of almost grindhousey uh, mm-hmm. that I wasn't quite expecting it to go so quickly. Uh, I wasn't sure if I liked this issue as much as the first issue, but I'm going to stick with it. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think that this was not as um, like it didn't blow me away as much as the first issue. But we're so early on and discovering this Daisy character and sort of this whole world, and I still really enjoyed it. I love sort of pulpy grindhousey comics, and I love romance comics. So Definitely. Have, have, have we ever met the, the the Clyde of this relationship yet? Um, no, no, not no. yet. I have a feeling it might be this like sexy, mysterious um, enforcer guy. Yeah, who, who, who zoomed on in his head about three times with different close-ups of his <laughs> of his pout. Yeah, I think it might be him too. <laughs> um, interesting book and uh, worth picking up for a preview of a uh, of a uh, new uh, graphic novel coming out through Image very soon, written by um, W. Maxwell Prince, whose book we've been raving about. Uh, with art by Martin Morazzo about art. What's that called again? Uh, uh, the Electric Sublime. The Electric Sublime. Yeah, it's a book called One Week in the Library about all of the books in the library like coming undone. And so you get it's like, this incredible series of panels in which all these characters jump from it just jumps from story to story with a weird continuation of uh, dialogue. It kind of mixes together. It looks very strange and cool. And it's already um, like this is something that's already out in trade. You can already pick this out. Oh, it's already here? Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. I'm, I'm this gonna came get out like last week or the week before, oh, I I'm going gonna to take this home today. Yeah, good idea. Very exciting. Uh, the amazing cover by Fraser, uh, Fraser Irving, God, too. God, I love Fraser Irving. He's really good. He's really good. Anyway, uh, Violent Love was pretty good. Uh, I read the final issue of Eclipse. Oh, yeah? Which How is the uh, book by Zach Kaplan out through Top Cow and Image about um, 
like in the future, the sun, there's a massive solar flare and um, you can't go outside without burning to death. And then there's a serial killer who uh, can survive the hot sun, but also is a serial killer. So do you keep him alive or do you kill him? Uh, and we find out what, what they decide to do in this issue. Uh, it looks like they're going to take a little break um, before continuing on with this series. Um, it's at some point next year, but yeah, this kind of if if uh, this is a little jump off point, should you choose to jump off, maybe you read way too many comics each week and uh, have had enough of this uh, <laughs> sun drenched world. But I think I'm going to stick it. I'm going to stick with it. This is a really uh, fun, surprising comic, and I may as well read at least one top cow book a year, right? Yeah, Eclipse worth checking out. If the idea of living in a world in which the sun can kill you uh, a lot faster than it actually does kill you, I was going to say that right pretty now. much is my world. <laughs> I get burnt and like. 10 minutes, man. Speaking of worlds killing you, Black Science number 26. Uh, I said last time that um, uh, we, 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 when we reviewed Deadly Class, that was my favorite Rick Remender book coming out right now. But I mm-hmm. think Black Science is again. This is uh, just taking a... Complete- Rick Remender just plays with your feelings, he right? He really does. But this is like, he's, this is the, his longest running book at the moment. And there are so many different things at play in each issue. And he's brought a lot of things that I, I've actually forgotten about to a head. So everything comes back here and some great twists and turns. I can't talk about it in any in depth at all because I'll just ruin it for everybody who's probably going to read this in trade like mm. idiots. <laughs> uh, Black Science, great book, great great creative team. Mateo Scalera is excellent. Mm. Um, Walking Dead, part five, six, The Whisperer War. Sorry, Walking Dead, The Whisperer War, part five, six is actually issue 161. Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adlard. Of course, you know who it is. Uh, so I just thought this was funny. It's, it's a good, good, good book. I really like this Whisperer War storyline. But uh, they've, they haven't even finished the Whisperer War uh, storyline, and they're already setting up the next me- big threat to Rick Grimes and all the settlers. Uh, so you know they, they can never sleep. No days off for Rick. Poor it's just going to go on forever, right? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, my prediction Kirkman is Kirkman has said that. <laughs> I reckon they're going to kill Rick Grimes soon. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's been that's been a favorite theory of comic book store employees for like the last three years. I feel right, but it's you, you got to assume it's going to happen. I think point. I reckon the next the next arc he'll die. Oh yeah, yeah. Carl almost dies in this issue. Kill Carl. No, uh, kill Rick. I don't care. Fuck I Rick. don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited because um, Art Adams has done. Uh, the variant covers and there are those awesome interlocking variants where you put them all next to each other and it tells a t- tableau. Nice. I love tableaus, you guys. Ta- I, I love, love them. love Art Adams. He's really good. So we've got one more issue and then I got a full full rectangle of cool. art. art. <laughs> uh, finally, The Wicked and the Divine returned. Uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Uh, Matt Wilson on colors. The uh, crazy story about gods who are musicians and beautiful and uh, just unbelievable. Um, I feel like I should probably read this. This, At some point in my life. That story, the last arc wrapped up really, really strongly and we are off to a great start with this new arc now too. Um, I love Jamie McKelvey. I just felt like when, when I I've read the first like three issues and I was just like, mm, not for me. But now it seems like it is, ah, Jamie McKelvey is showing, so and good. Siobhan, I know you're someone who loves fashion in comics mm-hmm. and no one does fashion better than Jamie McKelvey. Yeah, he's like the king of it, right? Um, and, and like a few a few of the um, the characters have amazing makeovers in this issue. Oh, awesome. Great. Oh! Great I love new makeovers. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's a sexy, sexy book. Um, and there's all kinds of danger and violence at every corner. Um, yeah, this is a great book. I, I'm, I'm real because I came very close to dropping it too. But I feel like the last the last few issues have been it's really, really off. great. Definitely. And this is a excellent, probably the best issue of this in a long while. Cool. Um, even though he said, Kieran Gillen said that the uh, the climax of the last big issue, issue 23, was going to be the most action you'll see in the book for a long while. It still it feels like they've just gone right back to that level of action <laughs> again. So, what a liar. What um, a liar. Over to Dark Horse now. 
We've got two Aliens books this week. I love Aliens. <laughs> me too. That new Aliens movie coming out with that brilliant poster. Yeah, that poster that was enough to fr- get me so hyped that I was face. burned by Prometheus. And apparently this is going to have a lot of the same actors from Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, it. Michael Fassbender was definitely the best thing about Prometheus. Right. So I'm down if he's, if he's back as a scary android. I didn't see it. It was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, Aliens Defiance, one of my favorite books of the year by Brian Wood uh, yeah. and uh, Stephen Thompson filling in for Tristan Jones on art and doing a great job mimicking his style. Not mimicking, sorry, doing a, you know, doing a, doing his art in, in Tristan's style. Uh, this is the kind of better prelude to Alien than Prometheus was. You have mm-hmm. it's set like almost immediately before Alien. I think is it kind of the, the right time frame for it? I don't know actually. Uh, that's a, 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 in my head it is. So it, I think it is. Um, but uh, it's just brilliantly cinematic. It's about um, two. Uh, it's about a marine, a scientist, and a cyborg um, who is altering his own brain so he can be more like a human. Uh, trapped on a space station, and the scientist has figured out that she has been impregnated by an alien. And uh, they in this one they pull. Sur- she does surgery on herself and removes the alien without it doing significant damage to her something they did in Prometheus, but this is still done way better. It's done so well. And the cyborg character is one of my favorite characters of the year. If I ever, all the characters in this are brilliant. Yeah. And it's so like, it is incredible that you can just continue to mine the aliens universe for incredible, compelling stories. And this is such a like female book as well, which was one of like, one of the reasons that I loved like alien stuck with me so much the first time I saw it because you were like, Holy shit, Ripley is the fucking coolest. And this is such a like, like she's just another brilliant, like Ripley esque character. And I I know I I always say, in fact, you can read an interview in which I say this, uh, that it's on junkie at the moment. We got interviewed by um, the lovely Albert Santos in a a interview on junkie that we posted on our Facebook page last week. He talked Mm -hmm. to us about comics in 2016. Um, But uh, I I said in it that I I have no interest in seeing a comic adapted into a movie. Mm. I think, you know, comics are the best art form, Mm. but this comic book story and maybe because it's based on a movie series to begin with i think this comic would make an incredible movie totally so yeah aliens defiance pick this one up for sure i think the first trade is just out we're up to issue seven an alien the, like the actual alien can used to be so scary yeah. it's amazing that they manage yeah anyway. yeah and then uh aliens were prominent in predator versus judge dread versus aliens <laughs> very different issue book. three a very different very funny book in which uh aliens and predators invade judge dread's world um, but the biggest threat they face is someone called Archbishop Emoji. Who has everything, like, I mean, I love, like, that sounds like such a classic 2000 AD heavy-handed sort of um, satirical thing, yep. but I love that. That's, like, my favorite shit. Yeah, um, and, uh, of course, the the judges team up with the Predators to mm-hmm. take out the aliens, um, but Judge Dredd's regular enemies have other plans for the aliens it's really really great written by john lehman who just recently wrapped up chew um art by incredible art by chris mooneyham this is a great great super fun and silly book yeah love it love it, it guys it's probably my favorite crossover of the year we should have done a cross yeah. crossover over the year award i haven't read that many crossovers yeah, they're mostly terrible. So this would be a shoe in. <laughs> um, over to Boom now. Goldie Vance number eight wrapped up uh, the most recent storyline in which uh, Goldie Vance's best friend wants to be an astronaut, so she goes underwater to a crazy space station. This is the most action-packed issue of uh, Goldie Vance so far. We see uh, a crazed diver fire multiple harpoons at Goldie Vance <laughs> as she tries to get away from him, and then they have a uh, an intense swim to the surface. 
I love this book. Yeah, it's Man, great. It's so amazing that something that you sort of, like this story arc just opens up the Goldie Vance sort of world for, like there seems to be uh, like infinite stories that they could tell based in this sort of small hotel town. Yeah. Like it's so brilliant and like Goldie's mum saves the day and yeah, all this kind of stuff. So like it's good. just, it's, it's so brilliant, guys. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Brittany Gold- Williams is the fucking best. This is a great book that the first, the first trade is out and uh, definitely one of our picks for a great gift for anyone who, who loves detective stories and especially young readers. Absolutely. And it's like, because um, I spoke to Hope Larson over the weekend about the series. She's the writer. She's the writer. <laughs> and she is going to be um, co-writing the next story arc with someone else. And I feel like Goalie has been such a huge hit at Boom that even if Hope maybe um, moves away from it because she's working on um, some more independent graphic novels and stuff that she's doing on her own, that this is a character who will continue to exist in the Boom boom box um yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm almost more worried about who they'll get instead of Brittany Williams to draw it. Yeah, totally. Because Brittany Williams, um, she's done such a brilliant job of like, like the diversity of the characters, not just like in terms of like diversity in like race and gender and things like that, but just like shape and size and um, characterization. And she does such brilliant sort of physical, physical characterization. And yeah, I love it. Hey, Siobhan. You did read another crossover comic this year. Oh, yeah, I did. Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York um, by Greg Pack with art by Daniel Bayliss and Triona Farrell. This is so good, too. Is this better than Aliens versus Judge Dredd versus Predator? Oh, God, I don't know, because they're both way better than they deserve to be, I think. (laughs) So this is the story of uh, like a portal opening up and basically every snake pliskin from different dimensions gets brought to this world to help save a, a blind blues singer. And uh, they accidentally bring Jack from um, Big Trouble in Little China because obviously played by Kurt Russell, he looks the same. So they're mistaken from a snake Pliskin. And uh, this <laughs> comic has great fun with uh, his accident-prone nature that ends up, you know, basically like saving the day through fucking up constantly. Yeah, and, and they say he might be he might be the best snake Pliskin of all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and the book ends with him uh, infiltrating the bad guys as as like a snake Pliskin. So it has him with his hair slicked back and. Yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, it's, it's really so fun. good. The cartooning is brilliant. Yep. Um, and the likenesses are really, really, really well done. And the characterization of, like, Jack Burton is so fun because yeah. that's, like, such a classic character. And they include heaps of, um, like, David Lopan and stuff like that. All those kind of Big Trouble in Little China characters are showing up as well as um, all the Snake Pliskins. We see female Snake Pliskin, yep. Robo Snake Pliskin, small cartoony Snake Pliskin, like heaps fun. Very great stuff. Greg Pack's uh, so good. Highly recommend this. Yeah, Greg Pack is really good. Very underrated. Did he just get announced at doing one of the X books? I think I maybe think so. he did. Can't remember. Uh, finally, I read Space Battle Lunchtime by Natalie Rios. Raved about it at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. This is issue number seven, um, and no signs of wrapping up just yet. So uh, jump on board this book, y'all. It's very, very good. Um, actually, it looks like th- the next issue might be the last issue, so maybe I'm wrong. But, <laughs> but pick it up and trade. Yeah, um, this is a really, really good one, I, and I'm looking forward for you picking up the trade and reading it because you've you've, been, you've missed out on this series. It's true, I have. It's a true tragedy of 2016. Biggest tragedy of 2016. <laughs> you don't read this. Um, so I also read a couple more comics, which I wanted to mention. Um, I am still reading Josie and the Pussycats, the Marguerite Bennett um, series with art by Cameron Dior Dior Dior. Great cover. Um, yeah, great cover, and this has been like. Uh, a series that we didn't... Oh, no, sorry. 
written by Cameron Diorio with art by Audrey Mock, who is extremely good. And this is like, I've, I've had a couple of issues with this comic because it's really, uh, it's really weird and it's way more full of um, pop culture references, which is something that Marguerite Bennett does quite a lot and it's something that I don't necessarily enjoy. I think it really dates a comic and makes it hard to read because there's a, like such a variety of bizarre um pop culture references in this like from like the books of proust to like <laughs> proust isn't pop culture yeah i know like and then like to other stuff and it's it's some weird characterization of um i don't like how in the background val is um and melody like i know it's a josie book but still and i i now see more what she's trying to do oh there's also a hilarious um version of diplo diplo's DJ, in this comic dj quiplo quiplo <laughs> <laughs> and he's a villain um which is pretty funny but this is and so now like they're sort of getting to the point of this comic which is kind of more about like Josie's personal growth and the fact that she um maybe isn't the hero of the book that she thinks she is and uh has a fairly sensitive um portrayal of Alexandra Cabot who's the classic villain of the piece um I still uh, like this. This was more a more interesting issue and made me more engaged in it. But it's a flipping wordy comic, yeah, and everyone's quippy out. and everyone's sassy. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off the arc because I'm interested to where see where it goes. But um, it's not my it's not my fave of the new Archie comics. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is Jughead? Jughead. I think Jughead is exceptional sure. at the moment. But it does have in the back a really classic, one of my all-time favorite. Um, because this book also draws on the the classic history of uh, Archie Beach comics. There's always, always um, comics about them hanging out at the beach. Where is Riverdale? I would have assumed it was Middle America. No, nope, it's coastal. <laughs> um, and it has a really, like, one of my all-time favorite classic, Frank Doyle, Dan DiCarlo, um, Archie, Josie crossover yeah. Beach at, books. At the very least, you could just pick these Archie books up for those backups. Totally. Yeah. Um, a few more things that I read. I'm still reading Camaro Brigade by Serge Lehman and Fabrice Collin. Um, this is a sort of weird alternate history uh, first first superheroes kind of thing, which incorporates a lot of, um, like like I just said, the, the pop culture references and that annoy me, but this has lots of like literary references, so it's like a Gregor Samsa um and a whole bunch of other people. I just think this is good fun. If you like history, if you like um, literature, if you like great art and weird comics, I think if you like things, like if you like sort of Alan Moore, kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen style stuff, this is like less hardcore than that, but this is still really good fun. I really enjoy it. And a couple of other, just quickly, that I wanted to mention, because I read some really great indie comics lent to me by my friend Charlotte this week. Uh, the first one is called Someone Please Have Sex With Me <laughs> by Gina Winbrandt. This is so funny, guys. This is a really bizarre sort of uh, ultra-colourful, weird, sort of almost photorealistic comic um, about being a super... <laughs> super sex obsessed young woman who can't get any sex and it starts off just her being obsessed with Justin Bieber and how that stops her being able to like um communicate appropriately with other men and she doesn't know how to do it and this is the one where she um gets really really hammered and tries to get people to take advantage of her and when that doesn't happen she um holds up a copy of American Pie and says you lied to me (laughs) 
but then it turns so weird. Like there's a one where she wants to um, become more confident and so she wants to find a kind but firm feline um, sort of mentor like Sailor Moon has in Luna. Um, so she joins a street gang of feral cats <laughs> <laughs> who end up um, impregnating her, and she has a weird cat baby who then takes her on to Maury because she's not a um, um, spoilers, not good mum. Like it's so funny, I'm guys. This, this like it I'm this now. continues to be so excellent. Someone um, please have sex with me by Gina Winbrett. Yeah, it was actually some of it was um, selected in the Best American Comics um, volume oh, for 2015. Yep. so heaps good. Another one I read was Safari Honeymoon by um, Jesse Jacobs. Um, if you like kind of, I don't really, if you like um, Michael DeForge and sort of weird, trippy, really um, organic seeming comics, this is for you. This has like a couple going on their honeymoon in like a bizarre safari location where everything is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And it ends with like their guide dying and them sort of becoming a part of the, the world, but manages to be funny and weird and um, extremely compelling. I love it. Check it out, guys. Safari Honeymoon by Jesse Jacobs. Cool. Those are all our reviews and recommendations for Whoa. last week. Oh, boy. We're going to oh, just shy of two hours here, so let's wrap it up. Uh, this week, a whole bunch of books are coming out. Lots of holiday specials. You've got the DC Rebirth holiday special and the Gwenpool holiday special. Uh, you've got Doctor Strange and Punisher teaming up for the first time since Original Sin in Magic Bullets number one. Uh, there's a brand new Hawkeye Kate Bishop comic written by Kelly Thompson that I'm quite excited about. Cool. Um, she, Kelly Thompson's Mega Princess number two comes out as well. Um, Injustice Ground Zero number one comes out, which is retelling the Injustice events from the point of view of Harley Quinn. I'm <laughs> not sure if I'm looking forward to being forced to read that one for the podcast, but hey, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Inhumans versus X-Men number one comes out, the event that nobody wants. Uh, it comes out this week as well, so pick that up if you want to punish yourself. And uh, second issues of Motor Girl by Terry Moore, which really was the first of, and Motoro, which was the totally trippy cool. book only press put out. Uh, so, yeah, lots, lots of great-looking stuff coming out next week. Uh, there's an Optimus Prime book starting. Oh, for crying out loud. It's number um, one. you got to read it. Sucked oh, in. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't make me read everything this week. Um, <laughs> also, last thing I wanted to mention um, is that the next session of Queens of Kings is happening this Sunday, the 18th. Um, yep, that's correct. We are going to be talking about the first volume of the... Um, completely brilliant Chris Samney and Mark Wade um, Black Widow run. That's going to be heaps fun. If you're a geeky lady in Sydney, please come on down. That would be lovely to see you all. Also, a uh, little funny moment to end the, end the episode on. I, I sent Diplo, who is a friend of mine, uh, <laughs> a, a, an image of DJ Quiplo in Josie and the Pussycats and said, you're in Josie and the Pussycats this month. And he replied, lol, that's still a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> rude very rude, rude. Uh, come visit us this Thursday night at Hudson Ballroom for the single issues night and our first ever live episode again more info for everything we spoke about on the show facebook.com slash serious issues podcast or join the conversation in our Facebook group which is facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast uh, look forward to our best of 2016 episode coming out very very soon mm. which is super excited we recorded live at Hudson Ballroom this Thursday be in the audience with us Yay. yell obscenities then you can make it onto the podcast podcast Huge. force your way onto the podcast um thanks so much for listening uh you can find siobhan online at siobhan cbg mm-hmm. um you can find me online at levdog uh on twitter and instagram and facebook and of course you can follow us on twitter serious underscore underscore issues thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week siobhan uh, um, uh, uh stay serious so-
Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.